Oh, hello. It's time for the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks for tuning in early. Uh, we got a great uh, couple hours lined up before the weekend hits. And uh, really a great one. Um, we've got a, a new guest, Dr. B. Rudlinger, or Rudlinger. I, I'll ask her how to pronounce it properly. A scientist uh, who's uh, having some awakening in a really cool way. And, and we'll talk about communication and empathy and things like that with her, as well as, um, you know, learn a little bit more about what's going on out there in the scientific world. Uh, hour two, Michael Bolden, 10th Amendment Center. He's back. And that, that means Super Don gets to play that amazing rock and roll interview he developed for him. That's way better than anything I have. Just teasing Super Don. That's why I say that. And he's like, I'm going to work all night and never sleep again uh, to get the new uh, update on whatever it is you want to do. Anyway, thanks for being here. The July 8th, 2023 edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Join us at robertscottbell.com slash listen if you want to be part of the chat room at our own homepage, webpage. Otherwise, wherever you're watching, we're grateful for you. Please share the show and we'll... Let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, I was just informed by uh, James's wife, Leslie, and my wife, Nancy, that it's not the 8th of, <laughs> of July. It's the 7th. What am I doing losing a day here? Especially, I figured Leslie would know because we're coming up on a week from today that will be uh, at the first ever RSB family union on her homestead near Joplin, Missouri. And it's like, I can't take that day of preparation away from her. I'm sure she was panicking. Eighth, it's the eighth. We've lost a day. No, not my intention. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, I just jumped ahead on the time track for some reason. And here we are. Uh, it is uh, about to be the weekend. So uh, you know how it is. You got to come through me to get there. That's not a bad thing, I think. It's a good thing. We've got lots of good things to discuss today. And uh, we'll let you know, preview uh, the Sunday conversations, which are pretty phenomenal i must say uh when i get to get to heart to heart talks on a lot of things related to spirit and uh, life itself and answering the questions of life the universe and everything uh for those of you who like to go there we, we do that on our sunday conversations that's coming up uh we've got a, a first hour uh dr b rudlinger I, again i will ask for the proper pronunciation uh but i talk with dr b beforehand she's absolutely you could tell a sweetheart she really is as compassionate empathetic and uh really cares about science as she's a scientist as well and we'll talk about her journey and uh what she's got to offer as well as well what do we got this guy You've heard of him, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. I don't know how who let him in, but he's going to be on in second hour. And he's got the most awesome intro. Uh, now I'm giving Super Don a complex about my intro. Not at all. So we got that coming up and uh, a lot more to discuss. So if you'd like to chime in on anything, come on over to robertscottbell.com slash listen. The chat room is live and happening right now. For those of you watching on the various social medias that we're not banned on, well, you're welcome. And I appreciate you being here as well. And one other thing, if you really want to participate and support us, you can be a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. It's right there linked up. There's a banner as there are banners for a lot of things on the website, things that we support and want you to utilize and plug into products or services. So again, thanks for being here. This is, um, uh, you know, an interesting topic to open up with. It's not 
the most fun topic. It's something we've been talking about ever since I opened up the microphone in 1999 when the show was called Jumpstart Your Health. And it's about conflicts of interest in medicine and uh, leading to the belief in, in, in a medical monopoly and an echo chamber and you know, resultant belief of, of what they've programmed into us. And, you know, I was raised medically, pharmaceutically, uh, doctors in the family, pharmaceutical people and all of that, and was a quote unquote true believer, right? Take your drugs, take your shots, have a surgery. Hey, you know, knock yourself out. Or maybe the anesthesiologist would do it and you hope you wake up. But one day recognize that poisoning people back to health for profit does not a healthcare system make. And that what we talk about as far as a crisis of healthcare or a healthcare crisis in America, I've argued it's a disease management crisis, or even prior to that, a disease creation crisis that leads to a disease management crisis from the moment you're born being injected with toxic poisons. And beyond that, any other ailment, illness, symptom, even emotion, that pharmaceutical industrial complex is perfectly willing to embrace and endorse and buy the regulatory agencies and even maybe your doctor to tell them, convince them that if they would just prescribe these specific synthetic uh, chemicals, molecules approved by the FDA, that all life would be better when there is no deficiency for any FDA approved pharmaceutical drug. Yet there are significant deficiencies of vitamins, minerals, trace minerals, essential fats, and I could go on. So how is it that we've ended up in this situation? I've gone through the history going back to the 19th century and even beyond that uh, is how we got here in the West, in America in particular. And much of what happened was in 1910 with the Flexner Report that basically uh, set the stage for a full-on monopoly of medical education, medical school curricula that would teach only, would only legitimize the teaching of patent petrochemical medicines as solutions to everything that ails us, even if those pat patented petrochemical solutions were the cause of many of the problems and didn't address the underlying problems. Remember, Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, way back in the 1790s into the early 1800s, developed a system of medicine known as homeopathy that has been uh, denigrated, relegated, and attacked by those who are uh, molecular reductionists as to be impossible, that it couldn't work because there's nothing there. Yet with technological advancements, we find that even homeopathic remedies contain nanoparticles of the original substance or substances, and that there's something that has emerged in, in the field of, of uh, biotech as nanopharmacology, interestingly enough. And what, have, what else have we seen in the emergence of allopathic uh, utilization of drugs that were very toxic is a concept of microdosing now, whether it be with pharmaceuticals or botanicals that they have great and profound significant effects. Nanopharmacology, wait, you're, you're dealing with things that are hardly measurable? Well, yeah, we have the technology to measure them now, although I would argue that we, would mu we must go beyond molecular reductionism to recognize there's an energetic aspect to our very lives and creation, even the physical body. That belies just a chemical explanation for everything, even though I know chemistry plays a role and biochemistry is real. But what are we to consider, let's say, when we talk about the biological makeup of the human body, and let's say we don't like it because it's getting too large, right? We're getting too big. We can't use the word fat. We can hardly use, you know, the BMI index because some people say that's racist. Um, 
you know, what is the other word we just discussed yesterday? You can't say now they say obesity. Obesity is dissuading people from getting quote unquote treatment for obesity. Now, the question of obesity, is it evidence of an ozempic deficiency, for instance? This diabetes drug that people are going on for weight loss and then ending up with ozempic face or worse. And we talked a bit with uh, Christine Glein and Jamie Dorley from Nutritional Frontiers, very scientifically uh, grounded company and working with nutrients, nutritional supplementation, working with great folks like uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, one of the smartest people I've ever met, PhD researcher, you know, coming out of the NIH and, and everywhere else that she's been. Quite an extraordinary story. And so, you know, we come to these weird conclusions one day when we wake up and have an epiphany. It's like, wait a second, I've been medicated my whole life. Every symptom, ailment, illness was met with a toxic poison approved by the government. And I'm not better. In fact, I'm getting worse. Again, this was me and my journey to, to 19 years of age and realizing that as much as modern medicine is amazing in times of warfare and triage, to apply the same principles of triage in life and death situations to all forms of chronic disease that many of those drugs actually cause is a disaster to your health or my health, but it's a very profound economic benefit to the companies that put you on drugs and sell you those drugs for life, even if they aren't the solution to what ails you, or even if they are what really caused that which ails you. So the opening article here from uh, centerforresearch.org is about Novo Nordisk, one of the pharmaceutical companies out there that actually, they say it bought prescribers, that means doctors, people who prescribe drugs over 450,000 meals and snacks to promote drugs like Ozempic. Ozempic, the diabetes drug that is now being used off-label as a you know designer drug for weight loss at high cost, but I think the highest cost is to the health of the people that take it. And many people who do and lose weight when they stop because of other untoward effects end up gaining that weight back. Because it didn't address the reason why they were a quote unquote overweight or, as I said, gravitationally challenged. Super Don looked up a bunch of different descriptors that could be less politically offensive uh, for being heavier than thou <laughs> than you think you should be or need to be for your health. But Novo Nordis spent $11 million on meals and travel for thousands of doctors last year. What was the, what was the ProPublica thing, Super Don? It was like dollars for docs or something. I want to say dollars for donuts. But yes, dollars for docs. That was, God, that was years ago. Yeah, do you remember they were the ones that were that's pointing put, out? That's really what put ProPublica on the map. Yeah. was when they came out with that. They were pointing out, look, your doctor may be well-intentioned, but they are being pressured heavily to prescribe specific drugs, not old, uh, you know, generics that might be more affordable for treatment of disease that perfectly are adequate for that purpose. But hey, the latest and greatest, the most expensive you can. And they were being wined and dined. And then there were some limitations placed on them because they realized, hey, that could be problematic, but it still goes on. I think the meal bandwagon is just big. And do you think that they're providing these meals with no expectation of a return? Is it just, hey, we just want oh, to take you out and I mean, hang come out? Come on. Hey, everybody knows. I mean, it's yeah. obvious. You know, if, if you got the, the, the pharmaceutical rep that shows up and gives you a, a pen mm -hmm. with the drug name on it, yeah. or you got the guy that takes you out on a golfing trip, you're going to remember the golfing trip guy yeah. uh, over the guy with the pen, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's just it's sales. It's marketing. 
Although I do find it ironic that they're buying, they bought 450,000 meals pushing a drug that makes it so that people don't want to eat. <laughs> yeah, I know the restaurant should protest. Like if you, if you're promoting a drug that will make people not eat, we don't want you, you can, well, you can, yeah. And I'd love to hear the conversation that the rep would have with the, with the, with the doc, right? So, mm -hmm. Hey, we got this drug here. Yeah. It's called Ozempic. Now, uh, just ignore the fact that it makes people's hair fall out mm -hmm. and gives them violent diarrhea and uh, makes them wrinkly, look like a mummy. Yeah. Uh, uh, you really want to prescribe this, right? Because mm -hmm. I'll give you a Subway sandwich if you do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <sighs> Man. I, it, I'm, sh I'm sure I'm simplifying it. In fact, Dr. B yeah. might, I, I might be able to chime in on that, how well, that works. But <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> I'm it, just it, assuming. I'm not a doctor. Look, it's, in, it's intriguing. You know, we cover this subject, these subjects, for a long time, including... Um, having PhD researchers on medical doctors on the show and various, you know, epiphanies that occur in their, uh, in their life and their, in their professional career as well. And, you know, so much of what we've been through in the last three years or so with uh, COVID has brought to light the things I've been pointing out since I learned about it back in the 1990s, when I started investigating natural medicine, homeopathic medicine, that even a lot of what we call peer reviewed literature is sham peer reviewed. And it and it's promoting certain agendas. What they it, say, like fifty percent. I forget where. I, I know I'm not. I'm not. I'm not misquoting the. But there was there yeah. was a study that came out that went over and looked over all these. You know these uh, these studies that are are submitted to these uh, journals. Yeah. And you know the, the 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 litmus test is that it's replicatable, right? Um. And they they found that up to fifty percent of the studies out there are not replicatable. They are, they, are, they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't replicate the findings. Yeah. Um, the other thing, of course, is um, the funding. You know, we talk about regulatory capture of our agencies, industries, NIH, even people like Fauci, who now people look at and go, well, he isn't that saintly grandfather we thought, right, for many people, uh, recognizing that he was controlling a fiefdom and controlling the money that would go to the grants only if they were within a box, for instance. You know, and the great example I brought up over the years is uh, Professor Dr. Peter Duesberg, the youngest uh, uh, scientist ever, you know, voted into the uh, National Academy of Sciences. You know, this is a guy who could do no wrong. Any grant he would apply for, he would get 100%. This is how, how you know, like the young scientist of the, the universe kind of thing. And when he began to question the cause of AIDS, you know, one of the few people that said, hey, this, this hypothesis of this retrovirus, a slow virus causing this, you know, destruction of, of the cells, the immune system, et cetera, doesn't make sense. And, you know, here are some other uh, options on, on considerations, you know, in terms of drug toxicology, nutrient deficiencies, these things. Suddenly his entire, you know, grant proposal, every thing was denied, it dried up. Did he suddenly become not smart? No, he began to push against the consensus of science, which is not, it's more like democracy and science. We vote on what you, we should believe. We vote on what we would fund based on where the research money is going for the promotion of an agenda that would result in drug treatment, therapies, vaccines, et cetera. Isn't that so, the same thing that happened with Chris Exley? Yeah, Christopher Exley on, on aluminum. And, and you know, how many scientists throughout the years found themselves at, on the outs from their profession, going back through the history of Ignace Semmelweis, who dared to say, hey, wash your hands after you cut on the cadavers before you deliver babies so you would stop the infectious sepsis that was resulting in the death of babies and moms being postpartum. And they, you know, he died like penniless in an insane asylum. Right? And how about Copernicus, Galileo, um, 
Dr. Andrew Wakefield, who wasn't even the lead researcher. John Walker Smith was, but they attacked Wakefield because it was convenient uh, on the issue of observing uh, post-MMR uh, vaccine. There were gastrointestinal disorders, and some of these children also exhibited signs and symptoms of what was called autism. Never having said the vaccine caused autism, but the fact that it could be linked potentially, you say, hey, we need to investigate this. That was enough to try and destroy this man's career, get him struck off the register, you know, the medical register. He's still a medical doctor, but now he's a filmmaker. Uh, but, you know, how many times do you butt up against consensus reality or consensus views on science and you find out what you thought was a pure investigational desire to find out what makes the world work what makes your body work this is where we got dr james lyons weiler is such a good friend from ipac-edu.org because he actually invests in science that is not conflicted you know with interests that are economic or otherwise it's like pure applied knowledge how do we learn these things and so i recognize that many people including myself i wanted to grow up to be a medical doctor my uncle the medical doctor says don't do it you'll be miserable i didn't know what he meant till much later and then i realized oh my gosh he was right if i did to other people what doctors did to me i would be miserable now i'm not talking ill of every doctor much less you know surgeons that save lives but the point is there is no drug deficiency syndrome or disease there are nutrient deficiency syndromes disease, but we're not allowed to address that so we are going to uh Oh, good. The website is up. I noticed that, too. Uh, we have a website for our guest here, Dr. B. Rudlinger. And again, I'm going to pr pronounce her name. I hopefully hopefully right. But there's a website called EQHacker.com. We couldn't get to load now. It's loading. And uh, it looks like she's doing some good work and uh, she's emerging. We are connected to her through our friend Kevin Tuttle, who's associate producer of the show, does great PR work for this company, Spirit PR, and want to have a conversation uh, about her journey as much as she's ready to communicate because i know a lot of this is new but at the same time i appreciate her integrity i can already tell she she is compassionate she is empathetic uh she wants to communicate she wants to teach people how to communicate and listen and i love that and appreciate that uh dr b welcome to the robert scott bell show hey thank you so much i'm so excited to be here and and uh, i hope that i can serve you guys well that's very kind of you. Now, how do I pronounce your last name? Did I do it horribly or am I close? It's Rudlinger, but Rudlinger. I always thought that Dr. Rudlinger sounded kind of like a real jerk. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't want anybody to call me that. So I, I assume you married into that name. I did. I did. I had a perfectly normal last name. Uh, it was Tyndall. Tyndall, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, no, I married into that name, Sixteen. Uh, years ago, and uh, I'm I'm happy to take it on. <laughs> so, what what was your interest in science? Something that you were born with, or developed through the school years? What was it that drove you in? And and did you get you went all the way up to the PhD level? I did, I did. It was crazy. Um, oh my gosh, what got me into science? Probably, mm -hmm. I think it was. I think I was born with it a little bit, right? Like, I think we're all actually born with uh, curiosities, right? And as we grow up, it kind of gets beat out of us, right? Like our kids dropping an egg in the kitchen, right? And we're like, hey, stop, you're making a mess. And it's like, well, they were just studying whether or not the shell would crack. Like, how is this going to go down? And so I think most of us are born as, you know, scientists, like seekers of like, we just want to understand things. Yeah. Um, but I would say definitely, like, as a kid, I was catching frogs and bugs. And what really triggered it for me was probably in seventh grade. 
um, I was kind of an awkward kid. I, I started school a little bit early and, uh, you know, so being the runt didn't help. But then in seventh grade, uh, we did this butterfly project where we raised butterflies in the classroom mm-hmm. and we had this guest speaker of uh, Colonel Stanley Nikolai, who was a lepidopterist and collector of butterflies all around the world. And he um, he brought in like this, you know, the butterfly collection. And I was just fascinated. So at 12 years old, I'm like running home to tell my mom about how I met this awesome guy who said I could come over so I could learn how to you know, mom, spread the butterflies for the collection like they do at the, you know, the Smithsonian. Like he's preparing these bugs for the Smithsonian. Mm -hmm. And I was very serious about going over to this man's house. And she's like, well, tell me about this man, right? (laughs) Um, And he was about 80 at the time. And she's like, "Mm -mm, like, no, like, no way am I letting my 12-year-old daughter go ride a bike. Anyway, she ends up meeting them and he became, I'd say, my first um, my first mentor ever that I spent years with. He unfortunately passed away um, from prostate cancer when I was about, um, I think I was probably around 20, 19 or 20. Um, so I only had a, a few years with him and I, I, from the bug collecting to, he also had really great war stories. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there is that, but then I actually did hair. So the, wait, 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 what do you mean? You did hair? What does that mean? I did hair. So I literally grew up with a hair salon in my house. Oh, okay. So I'm yeah. here with you. Okay. You did yeah. hair. So you had cosmetologists written all over you before you yes. went into the PhD research realm. And, and, and so when was the transition? Was it, was it studying hair chemistry and then moving? No. I just, I knew that I liked science, but it was kind of like independent of the hair. Like I love doing hair. So I, I did hair first and that was, I opened um, a company with my mom uh, in uh, Virginia beach in Virginia. And um, I did hair the whole time I went through school. So I would say that it was because of that, that I was able to go to school um, oh, it helped, it helped fund your uh, education. Yes. I like yeah. that. Well, yeah. And my family, because I had, you know, the all American 2.5 children house with white picket fence and dog and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. So just, so in, in, again, I just, I love the backstory. I appreciate you sharing this with me. It's fascinating. Um, moving in, you know, to go to the PhD level in the sciences, I mean, that's a lot of commitment, a lot of discipline and a lot of, I guess, following orders, right? I've talked a little bit about the box, you know, that often you're put in and you start asking questions outside of it. It threatens the status quo or consensus. I don't know if at any point in your early uh, schooling, much less your career as a scientist, did you ever butt up against that to cause you to go, wait a second, I thought science was about, and it was a little different. Yeah, so I would say that during my studies and during my research, um, which what I did was very unconventional, Right. Like I my background was in biochemistry, but then I transitioned into the world of uh, bioelectrics. So that is actually what my Ph.D. is in. That's what I concentrated on. And you were talking about using nano stuff earlier. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I used nanosecond pulsed stimulation to Mm -hmm. kill tumor cells and elicit an immune response. 
So I think because I was kind of in this like hybrid interdisciplinary and unconventional area, we were actually very much encouraged mm -hmm. to challenge the status quo. And, and really, I guess what I saw in my research was super cool because I used electricity for five minutes on a tumor. When I took the electricity away, the tumor looked exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But then within a few days, it died. Hmm. Now, the mice didn't have any systemic side effects other than, you know, the induced immunity, which I found later that they made memory cells because I would try to give them cancer again and they would reject it. So hmm. here I am with all these mice that cleared a tumor. It had no systemic side effects and there was like no scarring, like of all of the trials that I did, like I can't remember a single one even having a scar. See, this just, it's amazing. Dr. Reed, this reminds me again, my, um, my journey to, to know the things that I know. And one of the most significant seminal books I read was by uh, Dr. Robert Becker called The Body Electric. I don't know if you've encountered that book. I think I you would be absolutely fascinated. A real, a real scientist. He was a physician, but a scientist who simply led, let the, the data you know, flow where it flowed as opposed to having a preconceived notion and a corruption in terms of what he was trying to prove. And it was phenomenal in terms of regenerative medicine, working with electricity, but uh, also working with, uh, you know, materials like silver, interestingly enough, mm -hmm. as it turns out to be a, a regenerative mineral, not a dangerous heavy metal. Uh, and a lot of that electrical uh, reality was also due to ion dissociation and things like mm -hmm. that, how it would interact with tissue, with physical tissue for regeneration, much less antimicrobial benefit. So I'm fascinated, again, your investigation into uh, what you said, nanosecond type pulsed electric frequencies, not enough to harm uh, the, the entity, the mouse, but to evidently devastate a cancer tumor to where it would, over time, basically decay and decompose, I suppose. Yeah, so what's really interesting about the way that um, that type of electricity works is it doesn't generate heat. And because it's delivered at that frequency, it actually affects like the entirety of the cell. So some people who are familiar with bioelectrics would probably be familiar with, um, with uh, uh, electroporation. Mm -hmm. Electroporation is used broadly in science to uh, transfer genes or drug inside a cell. And electroporation uses millisecond pulses, which generate um, pores in the plasma membrane. And that's mostly where they affect things. Nanosecond pulses actually go through the entirety of the cell. So what happens is it actually induces different reactions going on in the cell. And so the cells end up dying or experiencing something induced by that rather than by a direct impact on like ablating, which is what when mm. most people think of electricity, they think of hot. Sure. Well, ablation is something they utilize on the heart, for instance, when it goes mm. into a, an arrhythmia situation. And I would argue, hey, why didn't they consider mineral deficiencies like copper, for instance, and yeah. the role it plays in normal neurological you know, flow of information, much less sequencing how a heart should beat in a certain sequence in time. And it's off. And, and rather than look at a deficiency of a mineral that is essential, they'll often go, well, we don't care. Let's just burn the tissue with electricity, for instance. 
So, you know, what's really cool is uh, one of the guys in um, our lab was doing research uh, with cardiac ablation, but he was using nanosecond pulses instead. Mm -hmm. And so in order to kill the tissue, which meant that there was no charring or or anything like that, that it just it just died. And one of the things I think that and I am not a cardiologist, like, let me say I'm not that. Mm -hmm. um, but with the traditional method, I want to say that there's a lot of charring and they have to yeah. make sure that they kill enough tissue to actually cut off the the signal mm -hmm. that's coming from other right. areas. But isn't that like, you know, shooting out the warning light in a car telling you, hey, something's wrong with the engine, check it or change the oil as opposed to asking the question, why is this arrhythmia occurring? That's my point in where yeah. scientific inquiry, which I think would make sense. You're like, well, yeah, that's a good question. And then if you propose, let's look at this, for instance, uh, here's a classic example in the 20th century where they identified a, a, a rather unique intervention for lead poisoning, acute lead toxicity. Mm -hmm. They began to use synthetic amino acids like EDTA intravenously. And they found they could remove the lead very rapidly, safely from the body. What they found out in, inadvertently was that it was also clearing the arteries of, of occlusions and plaque. And then suddenly the conflicted, if you will, industry said, oh, my gosh, we've had this emerging field in cardiology of heart bypass surgeries, open heart surgeries, where we actually, you know, remove the artery, clean the artery or, or take an artery or a vein from the leg, go invert it, and then we'll, we'll bypass. And yet um, you think that side effect that they found, which was beneficial, would be like, man, a major hailing of a new way to address cardiac occlusions, heart attacks and prevent them suddenly became considered uh, quackery. They said, oh, the doctors that are promoting this to clean your arteries are not real doctors anymore. And it was a side benefit that they found that now corrupted or threatened an emerging multi-billion dollar industry of open heart surgery. You follow this? This is where I see the conflicts in science based on the economic mm -hmm. conflicts of interest, which when you know you do a peer-reviewed article, let's say, you're supposed to, you know, say, are there any conflicts of interest of the you know, authors, right? Because there's a reason you do that. You go, all right, let's let's look and scrutinize that. Mm -hmm. But much of what we see in modern science is unfortunately filled with conflicts. In fact, uh, Dr. Marsha Angel or Angel uh, wrote about this. Uh, she was the editor for the New England Journal of Medicine for a number of years. And she said she, you can hardly tell what is real science anymore based on what's happened. It's a sad state. Uh, that's why Dr. James Lyons Weiler is so cool what he's doing with IPAC. He's like, let's remove these conflicts of interest and let's truly investigate and learn the facts of, of reality rather than being bound into constructs and boxes artificially to, to develop drugs that will be very profitable. That can also cause a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just started looking into this kind of thing. And one thing I, I, I found is that one, I will never say something that I haven't studied thoroughly. So like in the lab, I, I jokingly say this, but it's it's true. It took me set 57 times my first set of experience, experiments mm -hmm. to get it right. It took me 57 times before I was comfortable and confident in the way that I was performing the experiment before I said this is this, mm -hmm. this is these are the results. And I know these are the results because I figured out 57 ways that didn't work. 
right? And so then here's the way that does work. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, really vetting each piece. Now, I think a lot of people would probably just throw some of that together <laughs> and say, okay, these kind of match. Mm-hmm. But I, I just can't. I, I physically can't. I won't. Mm-hmm. I just, I just wouldn't. And so I just always felt like one, you know, I believe in God and mm-hmm. I believe in doing what is right by him. And I believe that, you know, scientists should know that and scientists, doctors, all of us who are studying the way that the world works, like this is really what he told us to do right? Like he told us to master his creations. And so I think one thing that the the goats had going for them is that they all had that strong sense of, um, you know, connection with God. And I feel like it definitely led me towards, um, you know, finding things out uh, that I felt like were brilliant. And it also helped me, I mean, I finished my PhD in three years, like in, in a foundational science, like that's unheard of. And I didn't really, you know, think about it too much at the time. I just, you know, I was just go, go, go. I mean, I feel like God put me here to serve. And so I just, I want to do that and Mm -hmm. I'll do that day and night. Like that's, that's what I'm here for. Um, But when I think about it, it was like, wait a second, what was it about, like, what did I do different? Why are my friends taking, you know, why are most people taking, you know, six to eight years? And what I realized is that I had developed this high level of emotional intelligence, Mm. right? And anytime I had a conflict in a conversation, I would go and study. How do I deal with this? Like, I haven't, I haven't encountered this kind of you know, behavior before. And so instead of like getting mad and frustrated and letting my ego like take over, right? Like so many of us doctors kind of do, right? Like I just was like, okay, let me see. Like, what is this? Like, how can I, how can I help us get on the same page? And so that was really remarkable because I, I really would say that that God and then, you know, feeling that inclination towards developing EQ alongside of my IQ <laughs> uh, was probably pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much that that thing that did it. Mm-hmm. So. We're, we're talking with Dr. Uh, B. Rudlinger, uh, although uh, a previous name that doesn't sound so rude and she's not rude at all, in fact. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you have to blame her husband for that last name, but I'm sure he's an awesome dude as well. He is. He really and uh, the website is eqhacker.com. It opens up and you can learn a little bit more about Dr. B here and what she's all about, which I'm learning about as well. And I'm, I'm enjoying it as so, so much, especially uh, the, the God-centered focus in life, because many people in the scientific and medical field have become atheistic in their worldview. They've detached from it. They, they think, well, science is, is real and that God stuff is just whatever. But I, I, I believe there's no conflict between science and religion or spirituality. Let me just say it that way. Uh, yeah. Because we are trying to understand and, and dive deep into creation and learn about it mm-hmm. through yeah. a scientific methodology that can kind of eliminate certain factors to the best of our ability to, to kind of learn about the world around us and within us, etc., and I think where we've gone wrong in terms of science and medicine mm-hmm. is the abandonment of the spirit and that mm-hmm. guidance. 
And that's where, uh, you know, I talk about the Flexner Report of 1910 being a, a significant event in terms of modern medicines removing itself from really being a healing uh, uh, type of, of focus to one that was a, a profit-centered, you know, reductionist view of the world that would eliminate anybody who has that God-centered focus and knows right from wrong. It says, you know what? I'm inclined to look over here and you're not letting me because it might disprove what you're doing that would result in a you know, multi-billion dollar blockbuster drug that might not even be needed. You know, as we talk about the various ways that in the natural world uh, and when we abandon the natural world, how then we end up in dis-ease or, you know, mm-hmm. diagnosis, so to speak. Uh, so you, what you're talking about is so refreshing and uplifting in regards to what I'd love to see doctors and scientists embrace. And yeah. you openly do that. Now, well, what else? And- Go ahead. You know, they're actually begging for this and they don't realize that's what they're begging for. So I've been going to a bunch of networking events and they're trying to make Tampa um, another biotech hub. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're begging for the ability to attract top talent and they their resolve or what they think is going to to solve this is more of a collaborative spirit. Well, you can't have a collaborative spirit without spirit. And so mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I've looked at the collaborative spirit as kind of two parts, right? There's one is is the ability and the skill set to collaborate, right? That requires you to gain communication skills, which they're not present in our actual programs. We just get mm-hmm. them through life. But then there's the spirit component. Right. And that part is one, I believe, directly related to a vertical, you know, doing the vertical search. But the other part is the willingness to do it. And I think that most of us want to say that we have a collaborative spirit. Most of us want to say that, you know, that we want to contribute to the greater good and we want to um, embrace our peers and really uh, tackle these challenges together, but without the ability and without being in tune, mm-hmm. right, with our EQ and with, I'm saying the spirit, but even if they just did EQ, it's like, that will just, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's like quantum leaping, right? Yeah. That's like going from here to here. Yeah. Well, and, and I recognize what you're saying is, is uh, I would like to say it was very typical within the scientific realm, but I think you're finding out that you're maybe a, a bit of a rarity, even as people are begging and really wanting it, that people speaking out about the things you're talking about now. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this is, you haven't done a zillion interviews on this subject from what I understand. Uh, Kevin connected us and said, you know what, you need to have Dr. B on and just have a chat. And I am, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> but, you know, realizing that we have, you know, come through also almost an inquisition uh, level scenario where science has devolved into religion or cult and it demands fealty. It demands you believe what we're telling you or else. And the very fact over the last three years, we've been uh, banned and, and deplatformed simply for questioning what, what they call the science as if there is everything, anything called the science, except that science is an endeavor or, you know, uh, you know, if we talk about a, a technique to understand the world around us within us, uh, that they've censored those doctor scientists or even lay people that have said, hey, there's something not fitting in, not adding up here. I'd like to know this. And they say, how dare you ask that question? You're anti-science for asking it. Isn't that suddenly the antithesis of everything you went into science with all about the questions? It kind of reminds me about, you know, having a relationship with God in a sense, because 
Um, like I wouldn't call myself a Christian or say that I'm religious. I would say that I have a relationship and with, you know, with God through Jesus and I study the Bible and I study science. I do both. So I would say that, you know, or just, I guess, point out that like, you know, Jesus came for us to have a relationship with him, not to set up religion. And I would say that as scientists, like we're here to study that creation and master his plan mm -hmm. and serve each other through that mastery. Right. So you don't necessarily have to identify with a specific group, whether it's a religious group or a specific um, you know, what, what do you even call that? Like, well, you call us a, a or sect like or a, a denomination. Um, we, we talked about the difference often and super Don does likes to do that is right. The difference between a religion and a, a spiritual belief, as opposed to tying it into a 501 C three church synagogue, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when we talk about questioning, I don't even believe God says, don't question me. I mean, like, Put, put God to the test. I mean, he this gives is, us grace. Right, yeah. Actually, he says, I mean, and I, I think about, you know, Moses throwing down the, you know, the staff or whatever. And he's like, okay, well, who should I say sent me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, how dare you? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Like, but, but really, what does he say? He's like, come on, I am, right. I am that I am. So I, I feel like we kind of need to just be like, no. This is who this is who I am. This is what I do. And and if we give each other grace in in our communications and we really actually like seek to understand and we're just curious about them and what they're thinking about and curious about the question, then it's actually going to open the door to bigger and better mm -hmm. innovations that are actually going to yeah. save and change lives and Absolutely. that is yeah. what we want to do so yeah. yep bringing the power to heal back where it belongs with yeah. each and every one of you and of course that comes from the you know much higher perspective than even our mental constructs and ego as you pointed out earlier mm -hmm. as well uh the website eq hacker uh and we have that linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com eqhacker.com what is it people can engage with you on? What is it that you're setting up as far as a, a platform or something that people can connect with you and do things? Yeah. So for right now, I'm actually um, writing a book. It's almost done called Wonderless Innovation, The Blueprint for Dynamic Collaborations. And in my book, I'm going to break down what I found or discovered as the blueprint for success in collaborating. And so they'll get to learn the skills for communicating effectively in you know, our diverse team of interdisciplinary, cross-functional, um, you know, you've got like, like we were pointing out earlier, you have engineers and you have doctors of all sort, different sorts. Plus you've got business development and marketing experts, and you've got all these people in the room and they're all speaking a different language. Um, my son the other day was like, hey, um, that reminds me of this TikTok or some something social media thing where this guy just went around campus and asked people um, what their discipline was and what the letter K meant to them. So I haven't seen this video, but he's like, it was crazy because they literally went around and asked like, I don't know, hundreds of people on the same campus and they all had something completely different to say. Mm -hmm. So I like to point out that if we could 
um, misinterpret something as simple as a letter. Yeah. The, and the meaning of just one letter, like imagine what a, a, a whole word right. could could be like yeah. not even just the lingo, not even yeah. our own specific jargon. But yeah. think about I like to use the um, the word per, um, uh, potential because it's so good. Engineers might be thinking electrical potential, mm-hmm. right? Biochemists and, and, and chemists, they might be thinking um uh, potential energy. If you're in business, you might be thinking potential profit and loss. Mm-hmm. If you're Pinocchio, you might think it's the potential for your nose to grow if you lie. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so. wonderful. Listen, I, I, I'm grateful to connect with you. I thank you for Kevin to connect. I know, like I said, it's early on in your communication of the things that you're uncovering. You have the book coming out. I look forward to maybe getting a look at that and having you back on to talk further about what you're up to and what you're doing. Uh, it sounds like, you, you know, you're on a wonderful journey, an important journey at this time uh, to uh, help people get beyond some of the limitations that have been artificially induced on them due to, again, conflicts of interest, economic and otherwise. And, uh, you know, I'm encouraged as I feel you are encouraging people to follow the spirit, the guidance, the communication, the direct communication. And as I've uncovered in my own journey, Uh, to healing and becoming a healer is that my job is not to find the right remedy for anybody, but it's to connect them to the source of all healing. And that is their divinity to remind them of that. And that, and then they have the ultimate relationship of guidance. And yes, you might be guided to a specific kind of doctor or teacher. That's part of it. But oftentimes it's limited by those who are in authority or authoritarian positions that say, this is the only authority for here. And then God's trying to say, Oh, whoa, 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 not so fast. There's something that's better for you here. And it doesn't involve, you know, that. And, and to me, that's, again, what's, what's caused the problems in science and medicine, the abandonment of the spirit and the guidance that you're, you're discussing and talking about acknowledging. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, it's like, if that's the only thing you remembered to do, Mm -hmm. everything else is taken care of. You don't need to worry about all the other rules. Yeah. You just worry about that one thing and, Mm -hmm everything just gets resolved. Dr. B, well done. Great connecting with you for the first time. Thank you so much for having me. I hope uh, this serves everybody well. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you again sometime. Yeah, well, love to your whole family. I know you're bringing it and uh, I hope that they're inspired by you as many others are. And uh, if we can help in any way, just let me know. I mean, you're entering into a whole new, larger arena with what yeah. you're communicating, and it's greatly needed. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing, too. This is amazing. Yeah, well, thanks for the connection, Kevin Tuttle. We appreciate you. Dr. B, thank you for being on board, and we'll have you on again. Again, you just let us know when that book's ready, and we'll put it out there. So thanks for the connection and uh, the conversation. Uh, We do conversations, yes, during the week too, not just on Sunday with our Sunday conversations. And the plan is for those of you that love her and appreciate her the way I do, uh, Ann Archer Butcher. Ann Archer uh, is going to join us uh, on our Sunday conversations about a lot of cool stuff. And we got some interesting questions of the day coming through on faith and belief and all of that. So once again, thanks to Dr. B for being on board today. What a great, great journey we had. A little bit of time with her to do that. Now, we've got a question of the day I want to get to this hour, as well as a, a story about, you know, it's like here we are talking about, um, you know, science stuff and even um, inspiration, but from God. Now we're going to talk about wrestling. Wrestling, you know it. 
WWE level wrestling. It's like, wait a second, where are you go? How do you how do you trans? There's there's no good way to make a transition like that. I don't think. Maybe Super Don knows, but I don't. But uh, you remember Hulk Hogan, and yeah, that's the guy. Everybody knows Hulk Hogan. Uh, even if you're not into wrestling, you'll know this guy. But he apparently, according to this article at LMT Online, uh, he and th- we have this linked up by the way. If you want to see it at robertscabell.com, uh, he dropped 40 pounds. How? Not Ozempic, not a drug, but by ditching beer and eating what? <sighs> Say it isn't so. Organic food. Hulk, what are you doing? So the Hulkster apparently at 69 years of age changes eating habits to live a healthier lifestyle. Now, what other 69-year-old promotes this kind of lifestyle, Supernon? Can you say Robert F. Kennedy Jr. at 69, same age? Fit as a fit. I wonder who can bench more. Uh, yeah, that would be an interesting <laughs> As uh, uh, we know that uh, is doing a challenge, I think, with uh, – what's the guy? Russell uh, – Brand Russell, Russell Brand, Brand yes. yeah. yeah, he's got like a pull-up challenge with Russell Brand coming up. I saw some of that interview as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, when you look at people at that age and you go, "Wow, I, I wonder what I'm going to be like at that age." I mean, I look at my journey, you know, through my young years of chronic disease to overcoming it to to where we are. You know, we're both in our 50s now, and I'm doing things I couldn't do in my 20s. I'm looking at Bobby Kennedy or maybe even now Hulk Hogan with this. I'm like, dude, what happens when you change your diet and lifestyle? Could you change your future? I say absolutely yes. So uh, apparently he has. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did an interview. You can see the videos playing up there with mm-hmm. men's health. Yeah. And uh, he just goes over there like, hey, what do you eat? You know, how do you what is it you're going on? And he opens up his refrigerator and he's mm-hmm. got uh, all this organic food and stuff. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, being on the road, uh, yeah. it was, you know, two or three hours of sleep a night and uh, Miller Lite. Yeah, <laughs> you know, is basically what it was, and and uh, a lot of stop that. A lot of. And, uh, by protein. the way, he's in Clearwater, Florida, Clearwater Beach. We were there for an event with the Nutritional Frontiers. That's not far from where Doctor B is. Uh, you know, where she says in the Tampa area, a lot right. of stuff going on there. And good friend Christine Glein, who we had on yesterday, also from the Tampa area. Good people there. But Hogan says a majority of his intake is water and organic foods. How simple is that? You know, he's. I guess he's not going to do an ad for Ozempic anytime soon. I don't think so. No, no, that's kind of cool. Yeah, kind of cool. He was, you know, I uh, back in the '80s and stuff like that. I was big into mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. He was. I got to see him actually wrestle. Yeah, and uh, I was a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> uh, had the shirt and everything. So, so, but the thing is, to have someone like that go organic. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are, are we going to see skepticism response go? That guy, Hulk, he's crazy. He's just like, you don't need to eat yeah. organic. No, I mean, he's yeah. very in tune now with mm-hmm. with with health. Apparently, in, in the mm-hmm. interview, he was talking about because listen, he just these these wrestlers, mm-hmm. they just beat the crap oh, out of, of themselves. It's, I don't care if it's scripted or not. They do, oh, and he's had multiple surgeries. I don't know if you're familiar. You know Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah. You know yeah. he's got his routine finisher. You know at the end of the thing where you know he, he gives with the big boot. You know, and, and then he does the leg drop. Yeah, and over you know how many years he? I mean, I think it. You know, he's been wrestling since the early '80s mm-hmm. and doing the leg that leg drop over and oh my over gosh, over yeah. over that he screwed up his lower back and he's had sure. like twelve surgeries on his vertebrae, and, you know, and all wow. this stuff and like that, and you know, just his joints and his knees replaced and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and the inflammation, 
And so, you know, he's looking at things like sugar now. He's like, he's cut out sugar in his diet because he's realized that that leads to inflammation. Inflammation, And he's right? trying to cut, you know, so he's... I wonder if he knows about the sovereign copper yet. I don't how know. How copper cools inflammation. Know. I'd love to get him yeah. on the show. That would be amazing. Yeah, especially now with this we have in common, right? That's I went right. organic when I was 24, never looked back. That's right. And uh, it's, a, it's a big part of my journey to healing. And I think, you know, when you talk about food being organic, it's like, well, what is it you actually, I, I, I would say it used to be called just food <laughs> now we have to you know yeah. ha have a qualifier <laughs> organic, organic food, right yes yeah. but it was the idea that you could grow food without synthetic chemicals from dow monsanto etc like that and uh, right. uh, not corrupt the soil itself and i've talked about deficiency syndrome based on chemical farming guess what of all the minerals tested number one on the list and it's not a good number one in terms of deficiencies in the soil is copper since they began testing it many decades ago it's almost 80 percent reduced and people aren't eating copper-rich foods. That's why we talk about the deficiency syndrome and symptoms associated with that. There is no such thing as a drug deficiency disease. Now, we have a question of the day. Should I, I want to squeeze that in before uh, Michael Bolden comes on yeah. from the 10th Amendment Center hour, too. Uh, this is from Jennifer, and she says, Hello, I have a question about statins prescribed in the case of someone with fatty liver who is taking metformin. Now, obviously, a diagnosis, I assume here, metformin diagnosis, you, you, get, you get on that diabetes, for diabetes, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So his doctor says the statin will protect his compromised liver from the damage from metformin. I'm like, holy, oh my gosh. I just want to, oy vey is, is the term, right? An old Yiddish term, oy vey, this is happening. Doctors learn what? Um, we're going to damage your liver with one drug and we're going to protect you from that damage from that other drug with another drug that by the way damages the liver too statins are de devastating to the liver by forcing the reduction of cholesterol production which is produced in your liver you have to damage and harm and intoxicate the liver to stop cholesterol production which is by the way a protective mechanism to keep you alive long enough to one day have a heart attack if you don't realize what's causing inflammation within the arter arteries and veins etc so she says uh, it's the first time she's heard about this like putting somebody on a statin drug to protect them from the damage from metformin. But this is the absurdity of what we've got toxic poison to counteract toxic poison. But the cumulative effect of both toxic poisons is devastating and ignored in this particular case. Uh, Jennifer says I'm providing uh, her dear son-in-law with a scoop on statins, but don't know what reference to buy and share uh, to best reverse the fatty liver. And I trust you and your team's advice on this subject. I don't give advice, just information. Son-in-law is having a life and relationship and career affecting side effects from the statins. Yeah, there's a lot of bad that happens. So, uh, Jennifer, by the way, uh, if you want to learn about the scam of cholesterol causing heart disease and stuff like that, thincs.org. And Superdon, I always ask you this every once in a while this comes up, if that website is still active. I learned about it God, 25 years ago. It's like the international uh, whatever for cholesterol skeptics. What is it? Thin CS, T H I N C S dot org. If it still exists, this was a, a like a, a a collection point for a lot of the science, the peer-reviewed medical literature on the issue of cholesterol, and it showed how uh, the cardiological field bought into the cholesterol mythology. Just as in the 20th century, we bought into fat was bad because the sugar industry wanted to deflect from their profitability that sugar was the real issue. As Hulk Hogan did, uh, found out, you know the inflammation. There it is. Thin CS the. In, international network of cholesterol skeptics this is a great site if you're into the science of is cholesterol really bad does it really cause these problems no and therefore there is no basis for a statin drug except to damage the liver 
to deplete coenzyme Q10, energetic production you know, of energy at the mitochondrial level, all the devastation that happens on a, on a statin drug. And he's using it to counteract metformin. Metformin diagnosed, oh, I'm sorry, I said metformin um, prescribed in response to often a type 2 diabetes uh, diagnosis. Why is type 2 diabetes so prevalent? Because of a lack of not metformin, but minerals like chromium and vanadium. And you simply replenish the, the body stores of chromium and vanadium in a form that can be utilized, absorbed. And I would recommend in this case, Jennifer, that you let them know about choosetobehealthy.com. Jonathan will hook you up with a 100% whole food form. It's called glucose sugar balance, chromium vanadium formula, not synthetic, that he could take one capsule four times a day initially, and you could begin to reverse type 2 diabetes and therefore the need for the metformin causing damage to the liver and the reason that he was given us a, a statin drug even though that's absurd. And of course, cholesterol is only an issue when you have inflammation within the, the, the arteries and veins, et cetera. And that is uh, counteracted with things like copper, uh, silica, you know, various things that can reduce the inflammatory cascades. But even prior to that, the question is, what are you putting in your body? Are you relying on antibiotics, numerous antibiotics, because you have quote unquote infections diagnosed? And how is that damaging the gut ecology, much less the gut itself? Therefore, resulting in malabsorption and increased deficiencies. That's a weird way to say increased deficiencies. It's oxymoronic in a sense. And then, of course, all of the other things that happen when the microbiome is disrupted, the inability to produce adequate uh, quantity of neurotransmitters and even endocrine compounds, your precursor to vital what? Youth hormones, estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. Guess what? That comes from cholesterol, which now you're on a statin drug, you're depleting, you're going to have Yes, I'll say it. Sexual dysfunction as a man, a lot of impotence resulting from statin use. And then you got to go on what? Another pill? How about recognizing cholesterol's inherent goodness as a precursor to those youth hormones and many other things and reduce the inflammation, not by anti-inflammatory drugs, which are toxic to the liver and destroy the immune system, but things like copper that facilitate a reduction in inflammation naturally without harming the liver. In fact, enhancing phase one liver detox pathways. I know it's crazy. The simplicity of it all, isn't it? And the evidence is, you know, after you see this happen for so many times, so many years, that is the use of minerals to counteract something like type two diabetes. And suddenly that diagnosis goes away. That's not good for big pharma and doctors who rely on prescriptions for their profitability. In other words, you come to them because they have exclusive prescription, uh, what we call that privilege because they're licensed by state are unconstitutional state agencies. They're really trade group organizations monopolizing the treatment of disease to eliminate any competition that would be quote unquote natural and non-patented. And that would be pennies on the drug dollar that would put big pharma, at least if not out of business, it would be much smaller. And we would have the ability to think clearly about, Hey, do I need a toxic poison for this thing that was caused by toxic poisons? Or do I need a botanical or a homeopathic or a mineral that would help me remove the toxic poisons that resulted in the inflammation and on and on it goes. Remember, chromium is the key for delivery of the sugar, you know, off, off the truck of insulin, right? That carries the sugar, the insulin, boom. If you don't have the dock workers, you don't offload it. And then they say it's insulin resistance. I understand the descriptive term, but it's not accurate. It's a deficiency of minerals like chromium and vanadium. We come back to that. So Jonathan, choose to be healthy.com. When you go there and get the whole food stuff, we do RSB5 is the discount code. Now with that, we got a whole lot of things to do. It looks like, uh, oh yeah, 
uh, Michael Bolden is going to join us hour two. Had a great time with Dr. B in first hour. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And it goes into archive fat form or podcast form as well, right after. So you can share the show. You can sign up at rumble. You can be with us at robertscottbell.com. And, um, when we come back from this brief top of the hour educational break, the most awesome intro ever for Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center as we have a conversation, a little bit more on upcoming events and some other things I want you to know about too. So thanks for being here. God bless y'all. The power to heal is truly yours. All right, this hour heading into the weekend with our good friend Michael Bolden as we look forward to this every couple of weeks. Uh, last, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, we couldn't get him on early enough uh, because of my schedule and uh, Super Don tried to imitate him. It just did not work, but it was very funny. Anyway, we'll find out what he sounds like today in a few minutes, but I just want to briefly remind you of the upcoming events. And we did finally add one of the, the, the event uh, poster information course we come a week from today to the joplin missouri area to hang out on the homestead of uh well it's uh, it's quite a family uh happy birthday james belatedly of course and he's married to an amazing woman leslie and they have six girls and they're hosting the rsb family union the first of its kind july 14th 15th and 16th uh i don't know if there are any tickets left i know that supposedly technically you can't buy into it anymore i don't know leslie might have to let me know about that just in case there's a last minute addition but we've got some amazing things happening there homesteading family food uh pie organic pie of course i'm excited about that by the way just had an organic oh heavenly cheesecake my wife made and uh she reminded me how she learned how to do it so well and it was a friend of ours who was like a, a chef and he he gave freely of his secrets to my wife and she makes an organic cheesecake that just to live for so to speak uh, and that was for my daughter's 18th birthday and uh, we're still eating it it's big and we haven't gone through it yet and it's been a few days uh but man oh man that's some good stuff and i'm talking about this y- yummy food on a day where i am fasting and i can handle it today i can handle it so if if super don and, and bolden michael bolden want to talk food i'm going to be okay now, scrolling down below the family union here, Super D, we just got this from uh, Jocelyn Whitaker from Whitaker's Natural Market. And uh, this is also, I think it, I hope it has the address as well in it. But this shows you on a week from after Friday that we, you know, the weekend we're going to be in uh, Joplin. The next week will be Columbus, uh, Ohio area. And we have in the upcoming events tab there, if you can scroll down into it, Friday, July 1st, 21st, I'm sorry, 5.30 p.m. So I'm going to look, looks like that day I will be broadcasting live. And in fact, that's two weeks from today. Bolden will be back and, and he'll, I'll be on remote, but he can still join us if, this, if he has time. And I'll be at Whitaker's Natural Market. Uh, and that is, where does it say it is? It, there's a phone number there. I guess if you guys want to find out where it is. It's, uh, you can sign up in person at the, st- it doesn't have the address. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. But it does have a phone number that you can call or you can send them an email. Okay. I see that. Contact us at at whitakersnaturalmarket.com. Okay, cool. So look forward to seeing y'all there. And then the Maho event, which is for the industry, natural products industry, health food stores in Columbus. That'll be at the uh, Hilton Easton Columbus location, uh, July 22nd, 23rd, technically. Then we have the big one, the Red Pill Expo in August, the middle of August, 12th, 13th in Des Moines, Iowa. 
And of course, I, I would be remiss to not acknowledge uh, Bobby Oren and his support of the Red Pill Expo and G. Edward Griffin. His Folium PX is doing wonders for G. Edward Griffin, as it is for my mom and many others. And if you haven't tried that, go to foliumpx.com, get h- hooked up with the RSB10 discount code as well. Thank you, Bobbery. And the interview last Sunday, the conversations with uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits and Bobbery, great stuff we were able to re- uh, release then. Uh, Cancer Control Society's annual convention, 48th year, uh, Labor Day weekend in Glendale, uh, the Hilton Hotel in Glendale. I hope to see Michael Bolden in person in and around that time. We'll find out if he leaves town. The one time he leaves town when I come to it, we'll find out. Then the Biomed Expo, September 14th through 17th in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'll be there speaking, broadcasting, and moderating some panels. It's going to be amazing. Then we have added just recently the 10-year anniversary of Healing Strong. And that will be in Houston, Texas, September 29th and 30th. And that we have links as well, too. Then we have the the professional training event with uh, Nutritional Frontiers. We talked with Christine Glein and Jamie Dorley about that, October 6th through 8th in Pittsburgh, PA. Simultaneous to that, we have a a Utah event, 8th Annual uh, Your Health Freedom uh, Galen Symposium. Dr. Pierre Corey will be there. He's terrific and more. That's the 6th and 7th of October. Then we have the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, middle October 14th through 15th. We just have amazing things. 12th and 13th is the Trinity Live event for healthcare providers, including Trinity graduates and students and more. And uh, all that's linked up. You can go to trinityschool.org or trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. And finally, as of now, this is the last thing on the, on the calendar, and we'll see. We may add more. November 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona, with Drs. Terry and Stu Warner and an amazing Amazing weekend of great stuff with Dr. Jack Wolfson and more. Look forward to seeing you at any or all of those events and look forward to seeing momentarily our pal, our buddy. You know him. You love him. His name, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. Jelly saying that intro for him. I don't get that. Where's Michael Bolden? There he is. Now, Robert, if you what? remember, yeah. uh, I mean, just to clarify here, what, what, Mr. Guilt Trip Man, <laughs> uh, what? our intro used to be rock and roll. It's true. It but was. I, I had to make it Mickey friendly. My mom. Yeah, I know. Yes. Well, you got you got to please mom. And, and mom loves you. And mom loves Michael Bolden. So what are we going to do here? We got I, I don't know if she said anything bad keep about mom happy. So, yeah, she hasn't mentioned the, the Bolden intro. I think she thinks it's cool for Bolden because she loves Michael Bolden. She gives him a free pass. She does. Yeah. Boltron, the power to heal is yours. Look at that. Michael. I'm always I'm always promoting. <laughs> yes, you are. You're awesome, dude. I missed you a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw Super Don's imitation of you as he was trying to pretend that he had you on the line. No, because I didn't want to feel insecure. <laughs> yeah. No, you would have felt very manly if you heard his imitation of you. <laughs> no, it problem. was it was it was a an inspiration on the fly. So yes. it it wasn't. Uh, I, I did the best I could, but it was very. Hopefully, hopefully, you put on like a big nose and black glasses. I didn't have time for that. No. <laughs> No, he no. couldn't fool me though. I know Michael Bolden. As I was mentioning backstage, I was seeing some tech issues. Are we sounding all right? And we can get into it. Yeah, seems, looks it sounds okay. great, Michael. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, man. Well, thanks, my brother, for being here. Uh, and thanks I, for having first, me. My first question to you is Labor Day weekend. You're not planning to leave town, are you? 
I'm hoping to be able to. Uh, yeah, I know with the back stuff. How how's that going? How's your you know, you've been integrating a lot of therapies and supplements and things. It's, it's just brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. I mean, I'm I'm a kind of a silver lining positive kind of guy, so mm -hmm. I noticed that uh, now I'm probably walking about five miles a day because the thing that makes me feel best is movement. So as long as I keep moving, as long as I, if I'm sitting, I'm terrible. If I'm in a car, That's... I get nausea almost within minutes, but wow. as long as I'm in motion mm -hmm. and doing some kind of exercise, I'm doing That's like the good. opposite of what would normally happen, right? You know, in an, With an injury, injury, right? it would be like, yeah. ah, I can't get up. I'm just going to stay in bed. You know, mm -hmm. this is the, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, so I've been getting, I walk three to four times a day. I'm biking regularly. I'm just, I'm doing tons of decompression exercises. I'm doing some push-ups and some dumbbell work. So I'm actually probably going to end up, as long as I keep uh, focused mm. and consistent, I'll probably end up a bit healthier than I was before. Oh, I even switched out of coffee. My morning coffee has now been replaced mm -hmm. with matcha green tea and cardio miracle. So I'm pretty excited. What? <laughs> Matcha yeah, green I do tea and cardio miracle and cardio miracle. I mix yeah. them together, and that's wow. my morning. How cool is that? That's wow. it. Yeah, yeah. That's that means there's more coffee for you, Super Don. <laughs> I would. I was drinking so much of it, mm -hmm. and then crashing, and then missing walks. Oh man, no, ah, we can't have I that see. happen. There you go. Well, the maybe crash so, is real. The crash is real. Yeah, it, it is. I, you know, and I didn't realize it because I just kept loading more coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it finally caught up where no matter how much extra coffee I was loading no, on, I know I'm uh, around gonna... three o'clock, I would pass out every day. Oh, yeah. I know I'm probably going to get detention for, for admitting this, but uh, that's pretty much what keeps me going, especially for a while now, just because I burn the candle at both ends. Coffee and so cardio I, miracle? I time it. Not the No, the cardio miracle. I, I drink every day, as mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll have like a, a, a really strong coffee, uh, probably around like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Mine was around two. With an extra <laughs> shot in it. And, yeah. uh, and that will keep me buzzing uh, until bedtime. And then then I crash, right? You got to yeah. time melatonin. the crash. Then I throw melatonin you in time there. Time the crash for the right time. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's all, you know, planned. I don't know that trick because somehow I would have my 2 p.m. coffee. And by 3 or 3.30, I was exhausted. Just snacks, passing man. out. Snacks. If you, if you snack on something. Mm -hmm. Get something crunchy and snack on it. That will keep you awake. It's it's the old trick for like when you're driving long, mm -hmm. like a long long distance drive, uh, and you you get drowsy, which is I'm I'm infamous for. Yeah, uh, yeah, something to snack on. It's just something. With yeah, the, well, you the just you movement. just kind of rolled into my other problem. Is if once I start snacking, I'll be eating whole cheesecakes. Well, it's about <laughs> what on, you help, snack help, on. There help is us. no self control here. <laughs> help us out because we got a big one that we haven't finished, and uh, we we are welcome to have some. Oh, or, I love you. And, and and the comments there, those are interesting because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people. There, my sister is the same way. You know, it's like. It's like one thirty in the afternoon, and it's like you know, oh, I can't even look at a cup of coffee because I won't be able to sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? I used to be very sensitive to it. I'm not as sensitive oh, as I once was. Dude, I, I can have like a quad shot, you know, at like six o'clock and and stuff like that. I'll go to bed at eleven o'clock, twelve yeah. o'clock, whatever. No, no problem. I, I, I know that like means I'm in terrible health be, that yeah. I can do that. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, you, you know? got to sleep and recover, dude. And and that's. That's a, you know, a super Don issue because he works so hard and so his hours are so long, so many things that he does, uh, that the sleep is the sacrifice, if you will. And for uh, now I'm yeah, working on now. it. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I know that. And I'm glad of that as well. So um, mom says Bolden is too cute. That's what I say. Too cute. That, when you're too cute, th- doesn't it turn into something bad if you're too cute? Or you just what? want to squish their face. That's it, right? I'll take cheeks. a squish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pinch those cheeks. He's so cute. Uh, my gosh. We got, you know, there's, there's stuff we can talk about that's in the news. Super Don had put out some things as well as, but you know. We can talk about whatever, wherever we go is where we go. Yeah. And that, that's fine too. But I, I maybe when I'm in LA for the Glendale event, if you can't come up, depending on how your back is doing, or you could walk there, I guess that'd be a good walk. Well, yeah. I just have to pause every half hour or so. I'd make it. Right. But maybe I could go out for a walk or a bike ride with you guys. That would be fun. That'd be awesome. We have yeah. three bikes sitting, four bikes here. No way. Okay. So I could do that. I'd love that. You that would be awesome. Absolutely could. That would be amazing. So um, I don't know what you guys want to talk about today. I love, you know, having these conversations with you every couple Let's of weeks. Let's talk about food. Food? A little food? Okay. <laughs> what in particular? No, your, I just know way. you're fasting and you yeah. claim that you're okay I with am okay talking it. about food, I'm it up. but then... Well, actually, know. he's the one that started with the food. With the, I with did. The, I know. I've got. I'm strong enough to handle so. it now. Yeah. So um, I, I, I'm looking forward to the pie next week. I'm just telling you that. Uh, I'll break the fast on a pie uh, over at Leslie's place. That's my plan. It'll be pie all. You, week you can fast on Sunday or Monday. Chris, Chris Lavoie must have just tuned in. Can yeah, you- Chris and Lourdes. Hey, guys, I, I'm going to be at the Glendale event um, Labor Day weekend. Labor Day, right? Glendale Hilton, yeah. It's the Cancer Control Society, and they've been going Go for 40-some-odd years. So uh, it's at the upcoming years. events tab, so I'd love to see you guys. If you're still there, that would be amazing. Nice reunion with with uh, Chris and Lourdes. And uh, there it is, 48th Annual Cancer Convention, Cancer Control Society. And so uh, uh, that'll be fun. So, and yeah, we, we usually find good organic food to eat, sometimes vegan, sometimes not, uh, in the LA area every time I come Not there. in Glendale usually, but uh, there's a great little, um, a great little shop in South Pasadena, just mm-hmm. a little corner market. And they also do like smoothies and bowls and almost, I think almost the entire menu is organic uh, in nice. South Pasadena, which is maybe just 10, 15 minutes away from there. Very good. Now, you, I think you said you started also the the copper hydrosol. Oh yeah, um, daily. Oh, and remember the classic for years back. You know, with Chris Barnadoc, he introduced us all to the uh, silica, the whole food silica. I'm doing, that I'm doing silica. Yeah. I'm doing tons of vitamin D. I'm doing the copper. I am trying to up all my a- antioxidants. I'm taking mm. curcumin and turmeric, all the yeah. anti-inflammatory stuff that I can. Lots <laughs> of CBD. Have you yeah, cut out so, the sugar? Well, cut off. I have had very, I mean, (laughs) if Hulk Hogan can do it, you can do it. Let's grade on a curve here. For me, I have really reduced the sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm also doing a lot of apple cider vinegar. And I notice when I do uh, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar in the daytime, as long as I do it on a daily basis, what I normally have, which is sugar cravings near the end of the day, Mm-hmm. they're almost gone. If I start missing a day here and there, it's I still don't have the cravings, but if I miss like three, four days in a row, all of a sudden I'm wanting to like have a, a cake or something like that. <laughs> something about that apple cider vinegar. I just, I don't know. So I can't remember what where is, I what picked that idea. What does it taste idea. like? Oh, a lot never, of people I've, mix it with water. I just have a table. I just like, pour it. It's Isn't terrible. it like kind of like gross? Sour oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right 
I have uh, the well, Bragg's no one with, with the mother. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it's later in the day oh. where the impact uh, really helps out for me. And then I sleep better if I'm not eating a bunch of junk food just before bed. Very mm. good. Well, and, and let me just ask this, and you don't have to go there, but you know, I, I've talked about my uh, tragic temporary thing, which was the the low back that went out before my son Elijah came. It was like nine months before that happened, but it was like a burning of i don't know karmic debt and also my fear of the future at the time you know i had you know emotional issues about you know would i be able to support a family um you know was there a financial security in the future you know all of those things played out in the low back going out kind of that that uh, body mind spirit connection it was like the support system and how i was anxious and concerned and worrying and then my body gave out now i i got some conscious uh, correction with chiropractic care and other things, but I had to address the emotional component of why I was having the low back issue that time. And I'm like, I never want to do that again. Uh, so I had to break a certain cycle in my belief system and emotional state to, to not have to go back there. And, and believe me, the, that kind of pain, I don't ever want, I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, I struggle with anxiety personally a lot. I always have my, it, a lot of people in my family. So where that impacts me the most and it's not, I'm not really having it with this, although I'm on like month almost four of a very, very slow recovery process. So it becomes frustrating at time. Mm. At times where this where it impacts me is if I am getting anxiety or stressed or depressed about the scenario that I'm in, mm -hmm. then I'm not taking care of myself as well. I'm not paying attention to my posture. I am not following up, following my protocol on my supplements or my exercise or my walks. And as long as I stay positive and focused, and the CBD helps a lot for that with yeah. me. So as long as my anxiety is chill, mm -hmm. then I'm totally on the mark. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, anything we can do to help. But yes, yeah, sometimes it is slow and incremental. And you just, you're asked to stay the course, right? Just can keep, keep I doing mean, there, I don't know if there's another option. Yeah. Yeah. No, the other options are not really that good. You know what I, I heard is good for anxiety? What? Cocaine. Oh, good Lord. Really? <laughs> it's good for ramping it up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of uh, cocaine, that was my. Yeah. So my, didn't my Joe segue. Biden, wasn't he one of the guys <laughs> that really pushed uh, the drug war for so many years? Oh, yeah. I mean, funny? he's like a champion of the drug war. It's just another one of these, you know, in a weird way. It kind of sucks. And it kind of sucks. This guy, Hunter. right? Yeah. <laughs> It really does because he's got problems mm -hmm. and like, you know, super was saying, you, know, you got to have compassion for someone who is an addict. I mean, of course he's, part have of you known anybody who's been, a, who's, who's had an addiction problem? I was a nightclub promoter in a previous career. Okay, so you saw So a lot. I know so yep. many addicts. Yep. I've seen a lot of people die from addiction. I've seen a lot of really, really bad behavior. A ton of it. Uh, yep. The worst is always heroin, but uh, coke addicts are pretty rough too. <laughs> well, and they I mean, tend to be from that class of uh, the Hunter Biden types too. <laughs> so, well, yeah, they wealthy, have, to have the money to afford it, trust hard. fund baby yeah. kind of stuff. And, and yeah, it, it's easier access in, in one sense uh, to that. But uh, I was thinking also, of course, the opiates. Right, there's a lot of addiction associated sure. with FDA approved drugs. Uh, and, and where that leads and now fentanyl as well. But yeah, the compassion is there. The question is, you know, what is a, a way to, to, to counter it? We've talked about the monopoly on in so many ways and levels in medicine. There are monopoly treatment centers for addiction that, you know, have prohibited things like uh, ayahuasca or different 
uh, mm-hmm. forms of natural medicine that seemingly are helping. We've talked Kratom as well. People get off the addiction without spending thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for a few weeks of treatment in house, and then come out and you're addicted still. Uh, so I, I want more freedom to innovate regards to uh, the people that need this help. But right now we're still dealing with monopoly status of medicine for everything. I'm also not a biblical phrase kind of guy, but I mm. seem somewhere in my memory banks there was a a story about how it was harder for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle rather than. Do you know this story? We've got three biblical scholars right here, but yes, totally, hundred percent. I do remember uh, that story. Yes, but there's we need- something. Then, then the rich man. Right. So I think some being born into that type of wealth and power leads to its own problems as well. And of course, it's kind of like, oh, poor Hunter Biden. But yeah, I, I I appreciate the the side of well compassion, but then also, well, what the hell's going on with this this war on drugs thing? that his dad has been pushing for so many years, and it clearly doesn't stop it. I mean, mm-hmm. if anything, anytime government declares war on something, whether it's terrorism or poverty or yeah. uh, you get drugs, you get more of it. Yeah. And so the last thing we want is government solutions to these things because the solutions are so much worse. There it is. Lori has it. Thank you, Lori. Matthew nineteen twenty four. Oh. It's easier awesome. for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of you know heaven, there so to go. speak. And you know, people have interpreted it to mean that if you're rich, you can't get in. I don't think that's the case. I think it's you know, it's about um, you know, your what do you value more importantly? We're corrupt. Human beings yeah. are corrupt, and the founders. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk some Tenth Amendment kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, the founders were very well aware of the corrupting nature of humanity and of power. So power always seeks to expand. We know the old phrase, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, but there's all kinds of steps in between some power and absolute power, and they're all very corrupting on our innate nature. We're, we're flawed human, flawed creatures, us human beings. So to be in that position, the likelihood of being a good person tends to be mm-hmm. pretty low, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, this Robert F. Kennedy Jr., we've talked a little bit about him. He spoke at the Pork Fest, the Porcupine Festival, mm-hmm. the Libertarian Festival. It was interesting. And he got a lot of favorable response. I mean, we know that, uh, you know, hurting libertarians, hurting cats kind of scenario. But uh, the idea of someone who might look at the drug war a little bit differently. And I think he mm-hmm. would having he, he has himself overcome addiction. He was. Uh, what was he, an alcoholic or do you know? You remember what that was, Super D? What he claimed he was addicted to? Who are we talking about? Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Bobby Kennedy. I've heard him talk about no, being an recovery. It was drugs. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember what what the drugs were. So, yeah. like Hunter. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I, uh, and like, yeah. yeah, like a lot of people, most yeah. of which aren't famous and aren't in the spotlight. But uh, sure. yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, he, but he, he kicked he, it. He, He's clean. He's sober. You know, RFK Jr. Which is the reason why it irritated me so much when I saw that tweet by that Dr. Shiva guy. Yeah. You know, going, oh, a oh drug I heard you guys addict, talking about a that. A drug addict I... is trying to get into the White House. It's like, are you kidding me? You know how many drug addicts are in the White House already? <laughs> I mean, been. come on, yeah. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not, maybe we'd be better off if they were. Maybe. <laughs> At least people would be a little bit more aware that there's a problem. Maybe. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, so he, you know, he he uh, he's sober, and you got to give somebody like that a lot of credit. Of course, <clears throat> I have uh, very close friends who are in uh, like twelve-step programs, 
And sometimes it consumes their whole life because it's the only way to stay sober is that constant support group. Yeah. Uh, people have gone through so much struggle in life that, you know, it's not um, me to judge Yeah, them. and that works for some people, you know, mm -hmm. that 12 step program. It doesn't work for everybody, but no. um, I, I'm familiar with the 12 step program. And it's, it's interesting because you're right. There are some people where if they don't have that, mm -hmm. you know, if they, they don't, they, they miss a couple of meetings, um, they're, they're back out. Yep. Uh, one of my there. closest yeah. friends who just got married just before Independence Day, uh, her and her husband are both in the program, have been for years, and their entire their entire life revolves around oh, yeah. meetings and, mm -hmm. and uh, events and things like that. And that's how they stay clean. Sponsoring people and helping oh, yeah. out and all that. Yeah. Hey, Michael, have, has the Tenth Amendment Center uh, yes. been the recipient oh. of any censorship? <laughs> over the decades now that you've engaged in, in, in promoting, you know, the ideals of, of the 10th amendment and all that, the reasons why it's there. Have you encountered any censorship? Because it, you know, it's an interesting thing about define those, censorship. Um, let's say, uh, you've been deplatformed on any platform, for instance, a modern context or, or curtailed in your ability had, had of posts of maybe that were removed or yeah. nope. violations on Facebook. Nope. I think most of that, um, most of that tends towards more partisan type things, and they mm -hmm. use it's one party against the other. And because we're so anti-partisan, I think we just kind of fly under the radar. That I don't think will last forever, but for the time being, I think that tends to be the focus. But then there it's are like, people that have looked at articles from the Tenth Amendment Center and said you're a right wing, whatever. And others have re looked at articles from the Tenth Amendment Center, you're a left wing, whatever. So sure, sure. Even though I know what your what the spirit is nonpartisan, it's not about partisanship, but principle. Uh, I was thinking that you might have been a recipient, particularly if you wrote anything about the COVID controversies. And, you didn't and so and that, that really wasn't, I mean, we yeah. didn't really spend much time on that because it's just not in our realm and we don't have the, the person power to expand into new stuff as it happens. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of plug along. We focus on foundational principles from the American Revolution, which was a revolution of 15 years. John Adams described it, he said, uh, in a letter to Thomas Jefferson, a few other people, was the revolution the war? The war had nothing to do with the revolution. The revolution in and of itself was 16, 1760 through 1775, a radical change in the viewpoints of the people and the war for independence was an outgrowth of that. So we focus a lot on those foundational principles, of course, teaching people about the constitution and then strategies to, uh, to uh, protect and enforce the constitution and liberty moving forward on a state level. So mm -hmm. we don't get involved in most national level discussions. And I think that's where we uh, gotcha. kind of fly under the radar. At least yeah. For the time and, being. and, and I asked that because, you know, the, we obviously have been subject to censorship. Um, oh, I don't yeah. think so much as a partisan, but certainly. Well, it I think a lot of the way, COVID, but, I think uh, a lot of the, the COVID censorship was based on partisanship mm -hmm. because it was one party primarily. Well, I mean, yeah. DeSantis and Trump were terrible on this too. I mean, DeSantis yeah, well, and we point, we pointed that out in the uh, documentary film, Utah safe and effective that mm -hmm. it wasn't as clear as you thought Republicans were for freedom and Democrats weren't um, even the, you know, the DeSantis and Trump had their faults in this regard. You know, we could argue certain things they were better on, you know, but that's humanity, right? There's certain things you can find good and sure. even bad people. But uh, the point here is when we discuss things that seemingly are third rail issues and in, in, in medicine has become a predominant 
you know, uh, outcropping of the growth of the centralized power structure and bureaucracy. Sure. You're literally talking about, you're talking about how much money that came from centralized power. You're definitely talking a national partisan political issue based on which team is in power. Uh, I think a lot of it was focused on that. They use it as a hammer mm -hmm. for electioneering. Oh, this person is wrong on on this vaccine. And that's all they talk about when it comes to RFK, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that they ever mention is that he's he's a, a whack job. He hates all vaccines. No matter what he says to the contrary, because he does say a lot of And he has so many other opinions on so many different things. Nothing else matters. Things Nothing that, else things matters. Things that really do make sense. And people are, when they actually hear them, they are attracted to his candidacy, uh, but yeah, you're right. You don't ever you don't hear any of that in the media. Or if you followed the latest uh, left wing cat fight happening uh, from the Young Turks, I don't know if you guys have seen. No, anything tell about us about that. What's happening? Young uh, well, I, I can't stand him either. But this is like this is my soap opera. Sank Uyghur, <laughs> I can't. Do, I can't. Oh yeah, well, Sank. Uh, they they've been losing staffers uh, for being now they're uh, being they're being labeled as transphobic. So uh, the the discussion is, oh, we agree with you on 98% of other stuff, uh, progressives, but if I don't 100% agree with every view on, on trans rights, on yeah. maybe women in sports or trans people in women's sports or vice versa, then they need to be canceled. And there's a whole battle about this where it's one tiny hot button issue that ignores all the other stuff. And you can love or hate those people, uh, over at TYT, but most of them agree on a lot of the kind of socialized power structure of the government. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating how these single issues become. I think it's really kind of driven a lot of the media likes uh, when people are fighting amongst each other over sure. one hot button issue because that it drives clicks. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'd say it sells ads. Yeah. And it, of course, it keeps everyone fighting with each other and ignoring the real problem, which is centralization of power. So so just so I understand, by the way, is Anna Kasparian still over there? I don't know. I don't oh, know. She was okay. another one, just, just like like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. cringy. But, uh, so the staffers are leaving the Young Turks. Why? Who, who are they disagreeing with? Chink? Is yes. that how you say it? Sink? Think? I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. yeah. Well, the head dude is now a transphobe, supposedly. Well, okay. so he's not all in on 100%. He's not, of I guess the, he's questioning uh, the idea of trans people playing in certain in women's gendered sports, sports right, things right. like that. Or he's like, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. I haven't really listened to a lot of it, but I'm watching on Twitter and they're like, man, these guys are just right wing grifters. Right. <laughs> Despite wow. the fact they're probably all in on socialized and he is so healthcare. so far from being yeah. anything even so close far. to right wing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so it's I, fascinating to see that kind of thing go down. Wow. I think that that strategy is is not succeeding in the way it once did because you know it's impacting even those you know we've seen that tended to uh, you know be on that left side of the polit political spectrum. Oh, like Glenn right? Greenwald, right? Greenwald or even Bill Maher, you know, on yeah. the issue. They've they said now you've gone too far. Uh, you know, Naomi uh, Wolf, right? We've yeah. had on a couple of times. Yeah, and, she was cool on that last interview you had her on. Right. And, and I was trying to be nice to Democrats a little bit. And she was like, I can't stand them. You know, She's over it, like, right? Right. She was like, done. I'm like. She's you know, socialist. But like, yeah. I would rather talk to an honest socialist who's right. willing to actually have a conversation about things mm -hmm. and not attack you as the most evil person on earth for having a 5% variance 
in uh, in, in opinion on one issue, mm-hmm. or maybe say maybe the idea is set aside the. Uh, I did a lot of activism with the hard left for years, especially during the uh, early part of the Iraq war before Mm -hmm. I got kind of fed up with it. And I noticed at least at the time, the old school left was very good at finding common ground, setting aside differences and focusing on one bigger picture. Even Dennis Kucinich, who is as hard left as can be, would often work with Ron Paul. They would set aside differences on all economic issues on all kinds of like government power issues to focus on issues of opposing illegal, unconstitutional, immoral foreign policy and wars. Uh, But you don't see so much of that anymore. I feel like the idea of finding common ground is being just thrown to the wind. Hmm. And I think that's by design. Probably, probably. Mercy Otis Warren actually warned us about this. She's a great historian of the American Revolution. Thomas Jefferson uh, ordered copies of her book for his cabinet, and I think in 1805, uh, The History of the Rise, Progress, and Termination of the American Revolution is a huge multi-volume set. And she talked about how, uh, you know, when party feuds divide a nation, all sense of urbanity is how she described it. Just basically kindness and human nature towards each other gets set aside because you're focused on faction first and faction always. Party first, party always over everything. Hmm. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I mean, some people may not like it, but you know, I think the Trump uh, situation played a big part in the polarization of things. Because if you look at the way it is now, I mean, it's it's still the same. I mean, you've got some people are Trump or nothing. Trump, Trump, no matter what. Uh, and it's the thing. Things are just there's just like two sides. I mean, and I just don't think a, a free people ever really just puts their faith into one dude. One mm-hmm. dude, yeah. Which is I not mean, looking that is, very good, by the way. N- no, it isn't. And it's just not. I mean, maybe he's. Maybe I don't think Donald Trump is dumb like a lot of a lot of his haters no. actually, no. and I'm no fan of Donald Trump. But he's you don't get to that position of power. I don't think Joe Biden's dumb either. I don't think any of these people. I don't think George Bush was dumb. But I think that was a that's a very common approach of partisans is whoever's in power is just an idiot rather yeah. than some sly evil awkwardness kingpin. does not uh, equal mean, idiocy. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean that's all it is really. So. Where was I going with that? Something about Trump. We're talking about the polarization. Yeah. Oh, maybe he's yeah. just going through all this process to set the stage for a junior. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, not this round, but I mean, the more he stays in the spotlight, the more his family name uh, gains kind of influence and traction with their team. It, it I mean, was I kind of, I could it, see junior coming through. It, it, so. was, it was kind of funny, you know, if we step back from, from it and just observe, you know, how the shenanigans are played out. Like, you know, somebody did that study of all of who had, who is descended from slave owners. Right. And then at the end of the day, it turned out the only one that wasn't was Trump. Now, I, I, what I missed this. Oh my gosh. This was hilarious. They were like, Oh man, we can get them again. And it turns out that every other, you know, president that they looked into and candidates and all of that wow. all had some semblance of slave owners in their, in their, in their lineage. And Trump didn't I'm like, oops, that didn't work for you. Did it um, now, you know, this gets into some, some heavier or maybe even deeper spiritual issues where I occasionally jump in with, with super Don or we try to do on Sunday conversations. You know, I think one of the things that, uh, causes us to be um, 
blinded, but you know, by one sidemanship or partisanship is a lack of compassion. Somewhat we talked about with our first guest today, that Dr. B talking about listening, having compassion. We, and, and super Don does that well, and having compassion for the addict or even a Hunter Biden scenario. But very often, you know, we, we can come from a high horse and, and be very judgmental forgetting that, you know, in my case, there was a time where I knew nothing of what I know today. Mm -hmm. You know, and I could be mad at people. It's like, what is wrong with you? You don't see it. You don't know it. And yet there's so many doctors and scientists finally coming on to realize the things I've been saying are not a bunch of hooey or whatever you want to call it, that it's actually correct. Now, if I forget that I didn't know this stuff, I could be very judgmental on those people at the oh, same man, time. I can but, too. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you I can do? be so condescending. So it takes, it takes conversations like this. Mm. It takes just sometimes just, I don't know. Sometimes you realize, wow, I am really a jerk. <laughs> and <laughs> I know I can be, and I can mm. be very, very, uh, kind of aggressive with people regarding like, oh God, you should know this. We live in an age of information. You have to go out of your way to be ignorant. But I've, mm. you know, I, I can look back at myself and I was ignorant enough at one point to say I would proudly vote for Gorbachev. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, I was a victim of government run schools myself. Mm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, the, and I talk about the, um, the history, you know, like a lot of what they've tried to do is denigrate the foundation of uh, the good parts of what I call this country, USA, America, whatever, um, that we want to dismiss all of that goodness and all of that learnedness and all of that history and knowledge of government and why we set the stage for a declaration of independence leading to articles of confederation leading to a constitution and to dismiss all of that because at that time, many of those people owned slaves. And I was like, where is context? Where is consciousness? Recognizing that if we were plumped down into an era 100, 250 years ago, we, you know, we would be burned at the stake. Man, if we yeah, were trying yeah. to get rid of all the founders' views because people were racist, I guess that means we have to get of the get rid of the entire New Deal because FDR was a racist pig. Mm -hmm. I mean, so Social Security, uh, all the all the different. Uh, uh, versions of the commerce clause and uh, they, this is just absurd it really to me i think it is just targeted to reject the views of the founders it's a restart a reset a radicalization of government power and that's how they do it i mean it's it's an easy attack vector unfortunately mm -hmm. but it's true uh again all the founders were flawed human beings very few of them uh people like dickinson uh thomas paine Benjamin Franklin was the president of the first anti-slavery society. John Dickinson was the first or maybe the first or the only founder to free all of his slaves while still alive. I mean, this is Thomas Jefferson actually wrote the text that became the 13th Amendment. The radical Republicans who were proposing it, you can read the debates in Congress and they say, oh, we want to go with the venerable Jeffersonian ordinance and mm. make that into an amendment. So, I mean... There is nuance in all of it, for sure. Well, and it's rooted a lot in, in what our dearly departed friend Liam Sheff would talk about. You know, we're a tribal species. You know, we gather in tribes and then we, we tend to look at each other, you know, with fear, you know, anger, trepidation, judgment, etc. Isn't where there security it, in there, too? Sure. But where is uh, compassion? Where do we get beyond that? How do we overcome that? And for me, it was like last hour talking about, you know, to the scientist I'd never interviewed before. And she was great. And she went right to her God spirituality. It wasn't about a religion or de denomination per se. 
and how it, you know, guided her in that sense, something deeper, something greater. And we can talk about the founders uh, being spiritually inclined in many cases. And then some would de- then say, well, that means we're supposed to be a fill in the blank nation, right? A Christian nation, whatever. Yeah. And, and, and I try to delineate that because many people that are devout Christians or, or claim to be, you know, member of a particular uh, church. And I ask them, or I say, I challenge them, not really, I, because I don't believe that they believe in a theocracy. I'm saying, are, you're not trying to say you want a theocracy. No, 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 that's not what I want. But very often it's just interpreted automatically because a person of faith is very, they live that faith. And I think that's a good thing to be, uh, you know, having integrity to try to do the right thing, whatever's motivating you, whether it be membership in an organization or not. But this comes into, you know, Super Don and I discussed this, the difference between if you can call it different spirituality and being religious. And I know, you know, now you're arguing a little bit about semantics, but the, the essence of it is in freedom, right? One of the greatest gifts I believe God gave me is besides life is agency freedom. And that's why, you know, when I defer to, Hey, I'm not sure how do we get out of this, but I know that the answer is in freedom, not anything else in, in terms of tyranny or, or centralized control. Well, if you think about a, a tribalistic kind of uh, natural instinct, which I I think that's probably very correct. The worst thing, and again, this is how the founders described, the worst thing in that scenario is centralization of power. If all decisions for 300 million, 300 plus million people, 50 different states are made by one dude or a couple hundred people or uh, five unelected, unaccountable, politically connected lawyers for everybody, then every decision becomes life or death for everybody, rather than the system of federalism and decentralization where the founders recognize the only way you can have a large country, and it was large for that time as well, with a lot of different people with different viewpoints, whether uh, economic, religious, political, social viewpoints, all living together in peace, is allow people to live their own way in their own area and have a certain number, basically a big defense umbrella. And even John Adams talked about this as well. He said, you know, when it came to the American Revolution, he said, this is this was just something that doesn't happen in history. Thirteen clocks striking as one, all from different climates, uh, backgrounds, et cetera. Not climates, uh, weather. Yeah. We're not talking. <laughs> we're not talking Greta style here. No. But uh, the <laughs> viewpoints of these people from Virginia to Massachusetts were very, very different. Samuel Adams and Richard Henry Lee. Samuel Adams being the father of the revolution in Boston. Richard Henry Lee, one of the great revolutionaries in Virginia, had very very different upbringings, plantation mm. versus kind of the the urban city guy or town at mm. the time. But yet they were great friends and they had great uh, agreement in principle. And that's the type of thing that happened at the revolution uh, that it's so different than today. It was interesting in the play my daughter was in uh, called Cries of Freedom. I saw uh, some pictures. Pretty did cool. See, did you see Yeah, her? yeah that big sword. It was awesome. Yeah. Did you see her actually sing in her part? When no, she I did not catch the video. I think I no. put that up on Instagram and, and in Facebook. I think we played it, in fact, here. But, uh, you know, there was this uh, one of the scenes was, you know, the the, the signing of the declaration, you know, uh, and all the, the young men. were. It was all basically kids, teenagers playing these different roles. It was really fun to see. And we were talking and Benjamin Franklin was a guy who's a reenactor, looks like him. And he, he's like the adult that kind of narrates and sets the stage for everything. And at one point he was talking about, I think. Um, in the midst of all of the discussion and difference, and they weren't making headway on this. And um, there was this call to prayer and they didn't actually pray, but it just, it just kind of broke whatever happened up at that time. Hmm. And suddenly they were 
they want, they found those things in common that they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they put a set aside their differences in that moment. And I, and I think about that in terms of spirit, spirituality, it wasn't about one religion or one preacher. They, they, they like invite the guy they didn't invite, it didn't happen, but just that acknowledgement of something greater than us. I think that's an important part. Even when we talk about addiction, you know, whether it's 12 step or whatever, it's an acknowledgement of there's something greater, more powerful that we can be a little bit humbled in the midst of all that we know or perceive or think we know, or actually know uh, that we could set aside those distinctions and differences for something better, bigger, and greater, not in a collectivist greater good that, you know, you get to sacrifice your kids for that as opposed to, you know, in freedom. We're warming up for the Sunday show. You think so? I mean, yeah, no, I dig it. I can do it. This is a the pre-record, right? Well, today, no. I just got to step away. I got to go. Yeah, no, we aren't, we aren't actually right live. We, that's we why, that's why you can't see us. We're on yeah. kick too, right, Super Don? Are you, you doing that? Oh, cool. It's, yes. uh, is it, have you been doing it all week? <clears throat> yes. Uh, what Most it, of the week, yeah. What's been your thoughts on it? On kick? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's, uh, the, the picture quality is really good. Mm-hmm. And the um, I don't know if this really means much, but mm-hmm. the uh, the the lag from us here to kick is very short. It's like less mm-hmm. five seconds or less versus like you know fifteen or thirty well, or something like that. More, a lot of right. stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a new. It's still a beta, yep. uh, but it's an alternative to Twitch, and a lot of people are switching over because not Twitch only is, is really really trying to clamp down on stuff. Yeah, so. well kick apparently is is uh less moderated. Yeah. Uh on than than Twitch is, so a lot of people are switching over to it. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Cool, cool. cool. When you're doing the StreamYard test, I figured we would do it today, but Well, <laughs> you know, uh between my schedule and and Robert's that oh, we've yeah. we've had a, a difficult time this week getting the test, so we're we're ready to go basically. And what's I, the decision for this is the the inside baseball part. Okay. The glitchiness on yeah. restream we've experienced, although ironically, the last couple of days it's we've had no clean. issues. Yeah. They heard you say it. And they so. are they're going through this this overhaul on on restream now. They've got like a new uh, thing that they're trying. It's gonna be like restream two point where they're gonna have things are changed and and different features and okay. The interface is gonna be different. I, I checked it out and I was like, I don't want to do anything different right now. I like what I've, what I've been doing. I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but I want to try StreamYard out because, uh, I, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than playing a video and having it like breaking up and sounding yep. weird. And, you know, and it's just, I think a lot of the glitchiness on the guest end is restreams fault too. Yeah. So we'll um, try StreamYard. I mean, who knows? I've we used could it. go back to Restream. But. Used I've it? used it. I used it to host a Libertarian Party uh, presidential debate a couple of years ago, too. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a similar concept. It's browser very based. similar. Yeah, it's yeah. very similar. Um, it's based on OBS, which is uh, Open Broadcast System, which is a very, very popular live streaming app. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, dude. I, I just want to mention that, you know, Jamie Dorley brought last month to my attention their super creatine, the nutritional frontier. Oh yeah, version. you've been talking about yeah. this because it's not the old school, right? It's not the isolate alone, and it's like yeah. it's really done well and thought out. Because again, I have these, I have a knowledge base that says if I do this, and then I'm not going to do it. And he brought that, sent it. I'm like, I'm putting on it, and uh, uh, 
the other night, I think it was a couple of nights ago after, you know, uh, right, regular kind of day, you know, I work out, do my routine and mm -hmm. I weighed myself. I, I hit 150. Dude, you got to understand uh, for people that are, are, you know, whatever, this is what me. You, this is my body type. I have a small. <laughs> How is that even guy, possible? Right? I know. <laughs> That's dude. like the size of one fat thigh over here. <laughs> dude, it's amazing. But I'm telling you, I had, I remember no at my heaviest when I was into the, the, the muscle and the fitness in my athletic years, even though I was chronically ill, uh, my highest, my memory is of 154 in college. Whoa. Okay. You're going to yeah. get that then. Well, you've been, you've really been training too, though. Yeah, it, it, but the thing is, I added this in, and and, within, and you're building more muscle within days. I saw a difference, so I'm like, hmm. I'm so impressed with this thing. And I know Super Don know, knew about creatine before, maybe even used it, and others have probably Ty Bollinger. I as did well back as in the day. I too. used it briefly, yeah. yeah, but I had never done it. I've always been reluctant to do it, and because of the formulation being what it is, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it, and I have to be. I'm just totally impressed. Uh, buy it. I feel like a, a light breeze is no longer going to knock me over. This is great. And <laughs> so uh, for, for I was talking with the trainer there as well. He was doing a, a form of creatine, not like this. And he said he, it actually, you know, it's, it's not disputable. It does work. But the question is, do you understand the other metabolic implications if you only do that as an isolate? And so I try to do these more responsibly and comprehensively. And mm. you know, so I just want to say that I was like blown away. I'm like, dude, this is different, significantly different in a short period of time. That's uh, awesome. So, so I don't know in terms of uh, your health, Michael, if that's something you need in terms of that. But uh, I wonder how would that impact? Like when I think about musculature, yeah, perhaps, you know, that's my thought there as a, as a you know, just a consideration. Anything well, because, it, well, support. low back issues certainly is about building its stiffness in the back. My issue mm -hmm. is I'm. I've got stuff that's moving around where it's not supposed to move. So all those muscles that connect. Yeah. Then, so that does actually make sense to me. Yeah. I guess I'd throw it out there. If I have I do so like many this, side right? planks to try to strengthen my core. Oh so man. Maybe. I did them this morning, man, dude, side planks are, you know, there's a lot that engages that core when you do the side planks. It's I'm not easy big... to do them wrong too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I was, but. I know I was, and oh now gosh. I'm not anymore, I think. Okay, good, good, good. Well, we got a lot of uh, uh, things that, uh, and I appreciate you willing, your willingness, Michael, to talk about, you know, the back stuff, right? And what works and, you know, the, the journey, because, uh, you know, sometimes we want that, or maybe more times than not, we'd love to have instant healing, instant recovery. But, you know, my journey took years, you know, and, yeah. it, and, and it's an ongoing thing. And, you know, for those of us who are have left the drug everything paradigm where instant, you know, success at least is felt right. Instant results are felt, but there's long-term detriment. Um, when you break that cycle and try to do it differently, it can be frustrating, can be maddening. You go, am I really making progress? Cause this is taking long. And I, I, I think, you know, like my 10 year journey to good digestive health. Yeah. For instance. Yes. And from <laughs> constipation to like pooping, like a machine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it is all very slow. I think the body has to adjust. If you try to do things too fast, people who lose weight too fast, whatever they do, mm -hmm. they don't build the healthy habits over time. At least that's, well, the things that have worked for me have always been very slow. Yeah. And, and, and even for me to, to look, this has been a years long journey, you know, from illness and chronicity to health. And even within that finding years later, yeah, things that you go, well, that was a leap. Yeah. 
but you know, it was all that preceded it to get me to that next level. So it wasn't instant. Um, so we got to take a break here. How did we get it? I forgot completely that we're over. We're in bonus round already. Can you hang out for a few more minutes, Michael? Yeah, about five or so. All right, let's do it. Y'all, if you had a good time with the conversation, it's going to continue on the other side. Bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show starts up after this because the power to heal is yours. All right, bonus round. I do. I, I, I don't know the last time I lost that so completely the track of time. that I, I have that impact. Michael Bolden does that. Gets you out of time. Time stands still when we're Look around. Look into my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> oh my god! Well, that that means it was a great conversation. I think. What I, did we talk about? Let's do it. It was conversation. Right? Yeah, that was great. Lost in time. Love that. <laughs> Break schmake. Anyway, a few more minutes with Michael Bolden, Tenth Amendment Center. Um, any uh, uh, just real quick for a plug for the Tenth Amendment Center, TenthAmendmentCenter.com. Those of you who want to support, um, you know, there's not many worthy organizations, but that is one. I'll just give you a plug. Not that Thank I, you. You, you don't already know that how much I appreciate you and, and what you. you've done and do. Um, for those of you who'd like, you can become a member of it. You can support um, their efforts as little as what? Buck a month or something ridiculously small. $2 a month. Two bucks a month. Yeah. So um, very worthwhile and worthy uh all the things that that michael and the, the crew are doing so appreciate you and so much every dollar you give me i am a patreon <laughs> robert scott yes he, he, <laughs> michael bolden does support the robert it's scott not Bell equivalent so <laughs> just so, a small percentage when are you gonna show down. up for an ama i i know that's the thing man I the love... scheduling is so hard for me yeah, yeah. you guys I mean, usually it a... do it around 4 p.m my time which is almost all well we do it on saturdays um, in the morning yeah, Saturdays, yeah, Saturdays sometimes. 9 a.m. was we had it last weekend. For those of you that want to become patron supporters, you can see it was a good one. A lot of great Lately, Q&A. that's been yeah. in my Saturday walk schedule. Well, yeah. you could always pop on yeah. on your phone during your walk people do that. and say, hey. we Yeah, we have people do that like from that farmer's markets or yeah. from their garden. So it, it's fun to do that, really. That would be cool. Yeah, even if it's a quick, quick hello. So we love that. Uh, we got lots of cool upcoming events. Uh, as I mentioned, one out in L.A. for those of you that listen in that area uh, for Labor Day weekend. Be there for that. Uh, I don't know, you know, any other announcements we need to make other than just to chat it on. Is there an article you're working on right now, Michael, that we should know? Me about always. Before? Yeah. Have you used any of what uh, Super Don does? There's an article here about the chat uh, GPT. Well, it's not specifically that, but it's the AI and and it's. Uh, it's the, the threat defender. to humanity. Yeah, Mercola yeah. writes about AI poses serious threat to humanity. Did you hear about the latest uh, test runs by the Pentagon? No. What's going on with that? Not that that's a surprise, but what do they do? They it? have an AI division, and they're test they're game theorying out uh, AI responses to uh, global threats. Oh my gosh! Maybe. I mean, it's literally Terminator. Yeah. Would you like to play a game? Oh it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Global thermonuclear war. Yeah, that's classic 80s right there, too. And, and then there's another article here you found, Super D. Google says it'll scrape everything you post online for AI. What does that mean? I'm sorry. I got I got uh, distracted by a troll. I mean, Google has been scraping all along. That's yeah. the whole point. The NSA, through FISA Section 702, they scrape everything. 
Mm-hmm. And some people, of course, want us to believe that, you know, it's just to stop the terrorist or, you know, if you got nothing to hide, you know, you got yeah. nothing to fear. But if you think about the idea of people in power having that much information on people being able to build profiles. I mean, if you've ever shopped on Amazon.com, the ability of just Amazon in and of itself to know what else you want to purchase before you've done it is pretty incredible. What are you talking about? It is convenience, but that tells you like this. You could go searching for that and not ever find it, but it, it knows. But Amazon knows, knows that you also you need you the like. you also need the pink towel with your shampoo. That's right. So, Unbelievable. Oh, oh, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. But that, I, you know, that's kind of it's a funny example. So you're talking about the Google article, talking about how they're going to scrape yeah. everything that you put on the internet. Right. You know, for me, I look at that and I go, I thought they were already doing that. They anymore. are. Yeah. I mean, it's are. like why was suddenly people like, oh my goodness. Oh, I they're they're going people are going to look at the stuff I put on the internet. You're putting it on the internet, you moron. Yeah. I mean, really? You you don't you don't understand that, you know, when you put something out on the internet, it's on the internet. Mm. Uh, So if Google goes and uses that information, uh to develop AI that suddenly makes it different. Mm. Uh I don't I don't that I don't understand. All right, let's round let's come back to food to wrap this thing up. Whatever. See. Things get heated and, and AI Robert, generated Robert, food. AI Robert generated runs food. to food. He wants a food repli- a replicator. Oh, he's just like hungry. Star Trek. He's hungry. Meat. I'm doing all right. No, I, I think you guys had great discipline today in in not talking about food as much as I encouraged. I tried. It. I tried. I was like really cool, I, and I want to go go to L.A. tonight and hang out with you. Whatever you're <laughs> eating, and that'll be fun. It'll be amazing. Um, Subway, this is the, the chain that I don't re- recommend because it's not organic. I just watched yeah. a documentary on, remember that dude from the early 2000s, Jared? Jared, yes. Do you know what oh, happened yeah. with him? He, he turned out to be jail. a, but didn't he turn Yeah, to be he's a creepiest, Creepy like, child guy. predator yeah. Oh, yeah. ever. Yeah, he's I in mean, prison. Yeah, I so. watched this, this three-part documentary while working recently and doing some data entry. I was able to knock out three hours of data entry, mm-hmm. just the sordid details of, and I guess that just go, is appropriate for Subway. Well, this one is from the files of too soon, question mark. Um, Subway is facing backlash over a distasteful sign referring to the Titan. Now, I listen, I, yeah. I don't know. This yeah. kind of humor used to be normal. Right, I agree. I mean, I remember this. It was one of those things where somebody would have a, a joke or something. Right. It was it was dark humor or something like mm. that. And you you know either you would laugh mm. and then go to hell. You're not allowed or, to laugh at this. Anymore, or but. you would cringe and go, oh man, I can't yeah. believe he said that. And then you'd move on with your life. Mm-hmm. Now, so show, tell me, show it. Tell yeah. me if that if you think this is funny right here. Yeah. So this is the subway sign. Our you know su- I can't see it. It you says, oh, that's right. It says it's a uh, subway sign. It says our subs don't implode. Yeah. <laughs> oh. See, all right, no, 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 no. See, now see, you laughed. Yeah. You laughed. <laughs> kind of like one of those. It's so I saw another joke. one good because Mr. Beast, you guys know who he is? Yes. He's the number one guy on YouTube, like right. oh, over a hundred million followers. Right. And he does these things where uh, like he does all these little competitions. I'll give $10,000 to the first person who can stay in this circle the longest or some weird thing. Hmm. And so he had posted... Uh, a redacted email where he got an invite to be on that sub. 
And he said, yeah. oh man, I am so glad I didn't make it on or I didn't go, I decided not to do it. It sounded a little weird. And, but the replies to this on Twitter are where all the humor is in this world. Mm, things yeah. like, things like, can you imagine Mr. Beast? I'll pay you $10 million to see who can stay on here the longest. Whoops. You know, stuff like that. Right. I mean, a little dark humor. A lot laughing, of memes. A lot of Laughing is it through the pain. Tasteless I mean, humor. Tasteless humor that you still laugh at. Yes. The people who go through the pain cannot find humor most of the time, I would think. Not in the short run. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. Well, apparently this has caused a big issue. I would think there are more important things happening <laughs> in the world than worrying about Subway trying to get a lot of attention for the yeah, low-grade low like, kind of food products. Right, and that's that's like one location. It isn't like the whole Subway chain did that. It's like It looks like Yeah, but no location. one's going to care. I right. mean, yeah. Subway allowed this from one of their franchisees. I mean, yeah, well, then we get back to the cancel culture again, as you said, with the Sank Uger or whatever that guy's name from the Young Turks and – like you know 98 percent, they're all in on leftist whatever and the two percent that they have oh and this uh transgender stuff's gone a little too far and this, and suddenly now we have to cancel you for that it's the weird part where i'm almost taking his side on that it's like yeah. okay let's say he was terrible on that two percent but like come mm. on <laughs> like at some point some point if you want someone to agree with yourself a hundred percent of the time you have to talk to yourself and for me i don't even agree with myself all the time i'm like man i was dumb and I was wrong. And if you like that type of mentality is it's like a lower level of humanity. It's here's me being condescending. <laughs> here's me being a jerk because I'm like to be fully human, to like really achieve your potential as a human, you have to be able to think with nuance. And if you're just a beast, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Beastly. Embarrassing. So you are just, a beast. I just I had to do this. Uh, what did you have to do? I, I I took a look at some some of the memes that were out there. They were, uh, I don't know. Is this tasteless here? I know Bol Bolton can't see. I'm gonna this, which is, I'm gonna pull up the the list the watch listen page because I gotta see it. It's uh, okay. It's a picture of the oh my the Titan gosh. sub and yeah. uh, there's a little uh, bubble there of somebody saying it's something on bubble. the sub yeah. and somebody on the sub is saying Alexa. Play air supply. Oh my gosh! That, that, Whoops! <laughs> my Alexa just heard me. <laughs> it, 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 it actually oh, is it going to play air supply? Oh, that's too. Oh, you get that free trial. Yeah, oh, four okay. trial. Yeah, on it. Yeah. Before we'll they play, play my air you. supply, they're turning. Air supply, me I believe, was my first concert. Alexa, really? Stop. I air believe supply. this would have been the late '70s, so I was very. Very young. We young had a huge 90. music festival every year oh, it's in Air Milwaukee Supply. called yeah. Summerfest. And I remember Air Supply being there. And I remember mm. like my older cousins wanting to go. And I can't, mm. I'm pretty sure that was my first one. What was uh, your most, they're playing it for you. Oh, okay, that's enough. That's hilarious. Air it's air supply. What was your what was your most recent concert you went to? I don't really go remember? to concerts. Not anymore. No, I've I'm always had issues. I, I've yeah. had some, yeah. What's uh? It's like a a thrasher Disturbed. band. Disturbed man. It's a metal How would band. you describe their metal? Oh yeah, yeah. Is it thrash? 
No, no. it's not thrash. Disturbed. No, they're they're a uh, a rock slash metal band. Okay. Yeah. Um, a actual concert concert. Mm, I can't remember. It's I been think the, so long. I have crowd issues. The last one I went to was an outdoor with my kids, and we went and saw Kansas last summer. Outdoors, oh, but that was fun. Was, I saw oh Harry Connick a few years yeah. ago. That was really fun mm-hmm. at the Hollywood Bowl. That was very entertaining. But that's even been a long time. Yeah. If I go see live music, it's usually much smaller, maybe an outdoor setting, mm-hmm. a picnic, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. Um, my my uh, my trainer with the 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 uh, nine round. She <laughs> she has like <laughs> that one of the top cover bands in the nation. So she gets, they go everywhere, but they're playing locally again. And she said, you can come up and sing Sweet Caroline again if you want. <laughs> so we'll see. I got to break, break out the break out the sequin this time. I wasn't dressed for it and dressed the part. Isn't that more of a Liberace look? It was at the time, like in the seventies and eighties. That was, yeah. No, I don't think I'll do that, but. Do you know why he, no, I was going to come up with a very tasteless joke there. <laughs> Liberace jokes were always great because I grew up in Milwaukee where he was from, so we had oh. them all the time. Oh, yeah. Was in the spring. And spring became the summer. How's my debut to believe that you all come along? All right, there's a little little teaser there for people. Actually, yeah. you know that video is on Patreon. So if you're on is Patreon, oh. you want to watch that. If you're a patron. That's I think that would be a reason to cancel our patron. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you. <laughs> that was a lot of fun though. That that was uh, quite a, an experience to to go up with a live band and do that and and no rehearsal, no warm up, no nothing. Just my penchant for singing it through my young years all the you way. You were practicing that, that for weeks. That's what you told me. No. I, I wish I had. In fact, maybe now well, you sounded amazing. Maybe now I can hit. Well, some of those notes were like right on the edge, I, it, but I, I need to learn from my daughter who sings all the time. Really pr- right. Dude, correctly. you did a great job. Yeah. Don't, but don't, I got to warm up the voice and figure out how to do that. But you anyway, did a great job. Yeah, that was, you did it was better fun. than, than most people would be able to do. Just do. running up on. Don't stage. try to compare yourself to the writer of the monkeys. <laughs> some of the monkey songs. Yes. Yeah. Didn't he write most of them? Uh, he wrote no. He wrote some of their their number Didn't one. He wrote hit, of course. write almost every song um, from like sixty five through eighty. Well, the Brill Building, where he was the songwriter. Yeah, he wrote a lot of hits for others. He people, wrote a but lot of. That I'm a guy. believer. Oh yeah. Uh, and there was another monkey song, a little bit you, a little bit me. But he that just wrote him. a ton of songs in yes. general. Yeah, and then he figured out, hey man, I could sing my own songs, <laughs> and he did okay. Yeah. yeah. So you've got uh, you've got a recording in fifteen minutes. Yes, a bottom of the hour. We're planning to have my friend Ann Archer and Archer Butcher, uh, and we were looking yesterday. I put it out there. I was like, oh, man, I want to do a Sunday conversation, and you super done. Just weren't, immediately went to Ann because she has some of the most amazing stories. Better. She did uh, the the dolphin story recently for the the meeting she had, but the the elephant story. I mean, she's got such like you're like blown away by what happens in her life, and I love that. But uh, we also have a really interesting. I say question slash comment of the day about religious beliefs and faiths and things like that, that I think I want to tackle with her uh, coming from one of our listeners. And that listener said, don't do this on the air. Like you're going to remain anonymous in the response. Don't worry. I'm not going to, because it's really a well thought out concern, considerate all of that. I don't mind talking about this stuff. And, and, you know, my, my 
role or goal in talking about these things is never to proselytize and tell people what to believe. I just, I've been on the recipient end of that. And I just, I can't do that to other people. I want to be, I want, if anything, people to be inspired to whatever their faith or belief is to, to live it, you know, in accordance with freedom. And remember, I say, you know, your freedom ends where another begins, same with your rights. And I think that's a, a beautiful way to live. A real high ideal. I wish we all could do that. <laughs> we wouldn't be having the problems. You know, most of them, in fact, are are based on violating other people's rights. That's where we end up with all these problems. So anyway, so that's what drives me when I talk about these things to hopefully inspire you guys and gals to live your highest ideals. I love it. Mm. All right. Can, should I close with a uh, Jefferson quote? Super Don, what do you think? Um, should you let him? Will you let him? Sure. Why not? Do we have no something? man has a natural right to commit aggression on the equal rights of another? So that's basically the the early version of the RSB quote there. <laughs> yes, I I did not come up with this concept, but I definitely try to. You refined it, made it much easier. Yes, yes. Bring it into modern English, if we can I call like it, it that. Americanisms. But it made me think of that. I actually had to look it up. I'm like, there's a Jefferson quote that this one reminds me of. Nice. Nice. All right, Super D, anything else before we wrap it up? I don't think so. Well, Michael, like I said, it, it, it's very rare that I lose track of time as badly as I lost track of time. And that's to your credit and Super Don's credit. As, as Super D has said, he loves having you on because we just get to converse about all kinds of things and stuff. Yeah. And it's just a lot of fun. So thanks for making your calendar mostly available to us in this calendar year, which we I thought it was too good to be true every couple of weeks to have you on, but it's, it's so much fun. So thank you. Man. I love it. It's yeah. like, um, it's like, you know, uh, when you live in LA, which mm -hmm. I did for many years, I always loved going up into the mountains and I felt like I had a complete reset because I was a breath of fresh air mm -hmm. above the smog line. So mm -hmm. you're, you're my above the smog, <laughs> smog line for 2023. Dude. Every time I do the show, it's like, oh, it's kind of invigorating. It's fun. Mm. Get to hang out with friends. It's yeah. pretty nice. I love it's it. It's nice. And, and thank you all. And thanks, mom, for wanting to pinch Michael Bolden's cheeks. I know he appreciates it. Uh, and uh, I want to, you know, like I said, I want to see. Super D, you know, I know we've talked about health issues, you and me about things. And I look at Michael Bolden and I always think about his low back. I'm like, dude, what can we do more? What can we help more? But you're just going through it. It's the journey, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I will end things here. Okay. With, with a quote. Uh, as, as you know, Robert, I told you, I don't know if I said this on the air, but I'm going to the Shakespeare Festival in Yeah, Ashland. you did say, you said this yeah. yesterday, I think. Right. And Robert, you brought up some thing about iambic pentameter whatever shakespeare and stuff like that so <laughs> yes i'm going to end the show here i'm going to say the power to heal is yours but i'm going to do it in a shakespearean style okay you ready for this yes all right so if shakespeare were around he was writing it instead of saying the power to heal is yours he would say the potency to mend thine own possession lies in thine hands the might to heal i surmise <laughs>